Hey everyone, this is Wayne, and this is the Greenfield Podcast. I think a lot of you know that I was representing my friend Matt Johnson in a criminal trial in Iowa relating to an investigation of abusive practices at a factory farm called Iowa Select Farms. Well, the charges were dismissed one day before the trial was to start, and we haven't really told the story. And it's a pretty absurd story. So I thought I should have Matt Johnson on the podcast again to break down what actually unfolded in Iowa. But we also have on Kesia Doolittle, who is founder of an organization called Counterglow that was cited by the Iowa State Senator who passed a law, an ag-gag law, to target animal rights activists for investigating factory farms. I could say a lot more about these two individuals, but I think the conversation speaks for itself, and we go in a lot of different and strange directions. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed it. Without further ado, here is Matt and Kesia. Matthew Johnson, how are you not in prison right now? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not entirely happy about it, but I guess uh, I guess life goes on, and uh, here I am. All right, we're going to have to dig into that one a little bit more, but I'm, I'm excited to have you on, and, and Kesia too. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Kesia, Kesia Doolittle was a part of this investigative team in Iowa as well, and um, was part of the action over the last couple of weeks in Iowa, which, wow, there were some absolutely absurd things that unfolded in the last few weeks, not the least of which was the dismissal of the charges against Matt. One day before we were supposed to start with the trial, and I think 15 minutes, literally 15 <laughs> minutes before we were supposed to have a hearing on media access for the trial, the prosecution moves to have all the charges dropped and the judge obviously you know, grants the motion. So well, is it with, under protest, <laughs> under protest, it was not, we didn't, we didn't want them to dismiss. It. We should talk about that a little bit. Cause I don't want to be too flippant about this. And, yep. you know, I, I've advised you over the years that while it's good to be optimistic and confident in the face of these charges, we also don't want to take them too, you know, frivolously because this is serious stuff. And, and while we can joke about it now, because you're not in prison, the reality is prison is a harsh place. I don't know if you heard about all these federal prisons that are getting shut down because people are getting murdered. Oh, really? <laughs> and the federal prisons are better. Yeah, these are the better places say. than the state prisons. But the federal government has been completely asleep at the wheel and gang members are running rampant. And God, Yeah. You know, I would have been a lot more other. worried if it was going to be prison in California than I was about prison in Iowa for Matt. Yeah. I mean, they're all bad. They're bad yeah. across the country. And it's actually pretty surprising. But some of the worst prisons are in bluer areas of the country, like Rikers in New York. Well, that's it's an awful place. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's more crime. There's a... Uh, you know, higher density and more poverty and or different, more density of poverty. I actually looked up statistics on Iowa prisons when I was thinking about (laughs) going. (laughs) I I didn't. How how worried should I be? I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. by way of introduction, I think Matt Johnson has been on the podcast a couple of times recently. (laughs) One time because we thought he was going to trial in October. That trial ended up getting pushed back and then we had him on again. Because we thought he was going to trial. We're like, now he's actually going to trial. Actually, January no, 20. I still <laughs> he still didn't go to trial. And, yeah. and Kesia is, is an amazing activist and, and human being who's done a lot of great stuff for the animals. Thank and you. Has an interesting history that intersects with mine as he worked at a Buddhist monastery for many years and jumped around. So I, I think it would... a Buddhist monastery for many years. I, I attempted to work at a Buddhist monastery <laughs> no. and I failed. It was one of my many failings. In life. You're going to have to tell that, that story. Yeah, it was when yeah. I was 20 years old, dropping out of grad school. I thought, I'm going to move to Colorado. And mm-hmm. as of many of the more ambitious projects in my life, it went nowhere. But Matt, tell me, uh, and, and tell our audience, like, wh- why, what, what happened? What's going on now? Like, let's, well, let's tell the story, but just, mm-hmm. first of all, why are you, why did we not go to trial? I, I think it's because we're too damn good. That's what I've been telling everybody is like, yeah. you know, I think, I mean, our mobilization efforts, like how many people are turning out to, to 
be there in court and protests and so on and our communications efforts. I mean, at the last minute, we have Court TV potentially interested in covering this on top of, you know, New York Times, Associated Press, uh, The Intercept, Harper's, you know, on and on. A uh, huge amount of communications interest and, you know, probably most significantly our, our legal preparation with, um, you know, just just a level of motivation, I mean, uh, throughout where people are intrinsically motivated by this and they're bringing everything to it. And, you know, it just becomes clearer and clearer and clearer over time to them that this is going to be in a real bad way for you. Um, and uh, so we, uh, I don't know, we learned a lot of good, good got, got a lot of good legal preparation that could transfer over to, to elsewhere. And um, yeah, it just feels like... Uh, Put them in a real bind, and uh, they. In the words of someone blanked. in our group, what does a guy have to do to get thrown in prison around here? <laughs> now, there's that flippant thing that I've been warned about. <laughs> Who said uh, that? Is that me? Uh, n- <laughs> no, I didn't. no, I thought I. No. Some guy, maybe Curtis or something. I Curtis? just know it was a, a guy. Not yeah. that I, I'm I pretty serious that. about this. I think people joke about this now, and then once someone goes to prison, it's going to be very different. And I know this mm-hmm. from personal experience because yeah, with the Shack movement, there's an animal rights network called, you know, Stop HLS, Stop Hunting and Animal Cruelty, back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And everyone was, you know, very gung-ho and thought they could take on the feds and the government and everything would be fine. And the movement broke when people went to prison. And it wasn't just the movement to stop hunting and animal cruelty that broke. It was kind of the entire grassroots animal rights movement was broken by the incarceration of only about a half dozen activists in the mid-2000s. Maybe that's something we could go back to because that actually, when I was in Iowa and things got really intense, I did start thinking about a worst case scenario where maybe they would like to take the opportunity while we're out of California's jurisdiction, you know, to scoop up a bunch of people on conspiracy charges. It's not inconceivable that they would have done that if they'd had the opportunity. And we did have a midnight arrest warrant executed (laughs) in the hotel, shockingly to everyone, a bunch of cops show up and seize one of the activists and executors an arrest warrant that would had been issued in a separate county. And, and I don't even ago. know all the details of this, but I think the allegation is it was some investigation that occurred a year or two before that. And that's Anna mm-hmm. Rogers. And right. And is an amazing person and activist as well. I'm super bummed that mm-hmm. they can't be on this podcast, but we're going to have to support them as they go through. will hopefully be a just as successful legal process as what Matt went through. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that they're, you know, you might think there'd be some sort of communication between it's like, you know, if, if, if what's allegedly happened in, in Anna's case, you know, some sort of factory farm investigation, something like that, that's similar to what just happened here. You know, it's kind of like, well, in a world that made any sense, it's like, if you're going to prosecute, if you're not going to prosecute me, why are you going to prosecute uh, Anna, you know, type of thing? It's like, are we doing this thing or are we not doing this thing? And it's like, okay, maybe they're yeah. kind of dancing around it and like, okay, well, maybe with, with this Matt guy is just a little too, too hard too to much. handle, if but I maybe can, try somebody else, see if that works. If I can jump in for a second, it was hilarious that, you know, they could have arrested Matt for a similar, you know, if they wanted to take somebody out of the hotel on yeah. charges that were, I mean... Because this is a separate county and a separate set of facts. That was across and the what's wall. what's it called? Mahaska County? <laughs> Mahaska. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mahaska? Yep. Yeah. I mean, Matt was a door away. And also, they could probably have gone after me for something. Um, 
in that same county. And this this was literally the hotel room right across from yours, right? So mm-hmm. you, next did door. you hear that knocking <laughs> next door? Yeah, I heard. Uh, it was next door, not across the hallway. It was literally across the wall uh, next door. Yeah, yeah, okay. it was. Uh, so Matt's hold up with COVID, yeah. which if you hadn't heard, I don't think we've actually been open about this. Matt actually had COVID. Yeah. There was so much absurdity that unfolded in the last two weeks. I know, that, that, well, that would have been an interesting arrest warrant. Hi, Matt Johnson, we've come to uh, do what you figured we probably would do. Are you on meth? I have COVID, <laughs> and, uh, but I do not story. have meth. Do we, do we, do we, I don't know if that ever That's one of my favorite that. stories that discussed? Ever, um, <laughs> we could talk about that. Too. I mean, I some mean, people didn't know Matt was in Iowa. We had some people that thought he was still in California. That's how isolated he was. Yeah, I mean, part of it is when we ask why did they decide to arrest Anna, and we'll talk about what exactly happened, the nature of the charges in a bit. And I think Matt might be right that they might just be thinking, let's just test all the waters and see who we can get. And, and, and certainly there's a long history of law enforcement doing this sort of thing, fishing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Fishing for human beings who they think are vulnerable to try and break them. I think it probably can be just as easily explained by incompetence. <laughs> that there's just an outstanding arrest warrant and the people in Mahaska County haven't really caught up to speed about how these trials have gone. The DA hasn't reviewed the act of arrest warrants and they just saw it and said, oh, let's go get this person. You know, Because mm-hmm. yeah. there's so many people in law enforcement... It's, it's, it's really bad because law enforcement, maybe more than anywhere in modern human life, should include the exercise of discretion. There should be some flexibility to reflect oh, the human well, reality. Oh, they exercise it. They just... Well, they exercise the discretion kind of on behalf of powerful people who oh, yeah, want yeah, vulnerable yeah. people to be destroyed. But if there's anywhere in human life, and in human government in particular, like as annoying as the DMV is, I'm okay <laughs> if they just stick to the rules and just they follow the bureaucracy yeah. for the most part. But when it comes to putting people in prison, taking people's basic liberties mm-hmm. away, there should be some human element to it. There should be some common sense to it. And it is shocking yeah. how often that is utterly and completely lacking. Well, and I think, I think that's, yeah, I think that most, most likely that does explain it. It wasn't yeah. super, super thought out about this case versus that case. It, it could have been, but it probably was just, yeah, this sort of incompetence or just like lack of engagement because I mean, look, looking at Wright County, which is where my... Trial was about, it was, you know, supposedly going to happen. I mean, the the incompetence of Iowa Select Farb's uh, attorneys that were involved in this process. And really, you could just tell how how demoralizing it was for this uh, county attorney to bring this, or assistant county attorney, to bring this case. And it's like, people are not motivated to do this kind of stuff. It is under duress, uh, you know, by the industry and uh, the powers that be. Uh, So, attorney general. These people make me sick. Uh, the, the egg secretary, yeah. Egg secretary. I, 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 yeah. Um, this is in Iowa? Uh, oh, oh, yeah. So he this did a is, press conference. Wow. These people make me sick. As I, was, I, said, I said it was disgusting. Oh, it's disgusting. disgusting. When we, uh, what these when people the are doing. Ventilation shutdown and expose was coming out, the Associated Press writer uh, at a Kim Reynolds press conference. So the egg secretary <laughs> sees pigs being boiled and roasted alive. Yeah. And then it goes to the press and says the this people who disgusting. documented it are disgusting. Yep. They're yep. kicking our producers. Good God. What the hell is wrong with Iowa? Sorry to any of you oh, from yeah. Iowa. Oh, yeah. I need to not generalize. Uh, Most of the people in Iowa, I'm sure, are amazing people. Yeah. The ag secretary, not so much. Yeah. But uh, he, he was like ready for it too, which is, uh, you know, I think, so I, I didn't, I had talked to the AP writer, you know, I think just like an hour or two before this press conference. And I was like, hey, maybe can you get, yeah. get a question there? Like, whatever it is. Like, oh, yeah, you know. But it seemed like he wasn't going to. But then but this ag secretary was like on. Like, he knew exactly what this was talking about. And he was like ready with his faux outrage. It's so weird how many of the people in Iowa who are part of the government 
kind of infrastructure have all the ISF talking points in their back pocket. Because I, I was reviewing all the discovery, which is basically the evidence they provide the defendant that they may be presenting against him. So there's all this body cam video footage, um, all these transcripts, depositions, and so on that I was reviewing. And, and all the officers in various counties in Iowa say the same sorts of things. They all say it was approved by the state veterinarian. It was a necessary evil, you know, and so on. And it's, I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to understand how so many people could believe such utter absurdities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the only say? way to explain it, frankly, is just because of how polarized America has become and how we all have this filter. And I say this about myself, too. I'm always trying to check myself and ask myself, what is the situation where I'm looking at things in a very flawed way because I'm just like rooting for my team, you know? Yeah. Well, what else so. are they going to say? I don't even know that I believe that they believe. <laughs> I don't think they believe yeah. the opposite, but it's like you're, how else are you going to avoid cognitive dissonance? Yeah. But saying that, are you going to be like, yeah, this is fucked and it's my job to protect it anyway. Like nobody's yeah. wants to, even to themselves, nobody wants to admit that. Yeah, you're probably right. We should probably explain for folks who haven't heard prior podcasts and following the story entirely. What is this thing that these officers are being forced to explain? So what is, what is, why did you all go to Iowa in the first place and lead us down the path to the trials that have been unfolding and sometimes mm-hmm. not folding or unfolding mm-hmm. <laughs> in the last few months? Because Kesia, for the record, I think I said this earlier, was also defendant in a case in Wright County, correct? The case that just went to... My charges were dropped, but I was told... It was told, the same county, same assistant attorney. I was told I had the same yeah. charges as Matt. Yeah. Um, and I did eventually... The one that stuck was uh, trespass, mm-hmm. and uh, they eventually dropped that. And so. this is in Wright County, the same facility, like exact, a fair and crop facility. Gilly, yeah, I've, um, seen, I've seen all the discoveries, so I've seen yeah. video and photo of you. I have, to, I have to say, all of you look amazingly good inside of a factory. Frame. I would love you to all see all that. <laughs> I have, I have you never... Seen the discovery? I'll nice share lighting. the discovery. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> you all look surprisingly you know, just not just kind of well put together and, and alert and healthy and, and, and ready to do what you're doing, but just honestly, cool. You know? Well, thank you. As you're walking around in these hallways and offices, but, but tell us what, what is it, what is it that officers in Iowa have been, been forced to explain? So for those uh, who haven't heard, if you've been underneath a rock, what's been going on in Iowa over the last So, month? uh, so, you know, the, the kind of main anomalous uh, situation here, uh, this is in, uh, Spring of 2020, we had a uh, truck driver with Iowa Select Farms contact us um, because of what was happening at his company. And uh, there's, you know, a lot that's wrong with the way Iowa Select Farms, the uh, Iowa's leading pork producers, is treating their pigs. Uh, but one thing leads to another, and he helps us to expose um, this pig killing practice known as ventilation shutdown. Um, and so this is. Um, there are a bunch of meatpacking plants that closed down across the country. What's uh, a meatpacking plant? Uh, uh, AKA Slaughterhouse. And, uh, a lot yeah, of people don't know activist. the terminology. Uh, oh, usually it goes as, well, yeah. I was going to say meatpacking plant is, is kind of seen as the more mainstream way. No, no. But, In um, the industry, but not to normal people. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, you know, they got nowhere to send the pigs. They do what corporations do and uh, solve their problem in the way that's best for the bottom line. So cost cutting leads them to this ventilation shutdown practice, um, which is where um, thousands of pigs are loaded into these industrial sheds where uh, <coughs> they have uh, 
closed off uh, all ventilation ducts and, and, and sealed them. And, you know, any doors, windows completely, you know, sealed this place off. They pump in heat and they pump in steam. And um, these animals are really just cooked to death from the inside out over a series of hours. Mm-hmm. And um, we were able to capture video and audio of this. And um, it's, you know, I would say probably even more horrifying than it sounds with me describing it. Um, just shocking, appalling, you name it. Um, I think uh, to think that this is happening. It was uh, historic because um, it's never been captured on video before. I think that's important. right, right, right. Yeah. Well, um, more importantly, audio. I think it's the audio that's actually most compelling. Yeah. If you all haven't heard, I mean, it's disturbing. So prepare yourself for it. But I do think it's important for everyone to just understand what these animals are going through and how mm-hmm. how painful it is. And mm-hmm. just hours of agonized screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, to, uh, you know, that happens and we document it and we report it to the authorities and uh, this, uh, there were some prosecutions that followed the, exposing this horrible misconduct. But uh, as I think people have pieced together here, the prosecutions come against folks who have exposed this um, and, and tried to stop it. And so, uh, you know, myself, uh, sort of public enemy number one in this context, but a lot of other folks, including Kesia and um, uh, Linda Cridge, faced the, uh, also faced a felony Dawson. prosecution. And um, yeah, in the sky, a bunch of other folks um, in both this investigation and then the subsequent, um, we kind of had a mini direct action campaign, protests at the chief operating officer, Noel Williams' house, uh, protests at Jeff Hansen's house, the CEO of the company, at uh, company facilities. Um, and we, we won. We, uh, they never, uh, the company never again did this ventilation shutdown even after the time when we first exposed it. So one thing I want to throw in real quick is that they dropped the ventilation shutdown related charges. It basically like it was immediately right. Like right after, like they, they very much didn't want those to go to trial. Like they were happy to let Matt go to trial for something that wasn't still sympathetic. But um, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, right? it, was, it was a few months later. Yeah, whereas these but right they were not going to let that because this is a separate trial. county. Yeah, yeah. The, the charges relating to ventilation shutdown occurred in a county called Grundy County, mm-hmm. the county they ultimately pursued a case in, at least until the day before trial, is Wright County. Yep. And I think the thinking was, we don't, really don't want to bring into the courtroom exactly. and present to a jury yeah. this stuff about animals being boiled alive. But we've got this guy on a camera taking a piglet out. That's something mm. we think we can convince an Iowa jury. Still not very sympathetic to, for the side of the industry, yeah. but yeah, better de- than VSD. Definitely better than VSD. And mm-hmm. I think, honestly, if not for the fact that we had VSD, and if not for the fact that Matt had done a lot of the right things, that the team had done a lot of the right things in the context of the investigation. So, for example, the video footage that you all shot of you reporting animal cruelty to the authorities in Iowa, that stuff was spot on. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, <clears throat> it's stunning because you're so prepared. You, you've got your legal opinion lined up. You've got your veterinary opinion lined up and you're saying to the prosecutor, this is very clearly, or not the prosecutor, the law enforcement officer, this is very clearly not just animal cruelty, but criminal animal cruelty. We've got a federal prosecutor, top of the line prosecutor saying this. We've got a veterinarian saying this. We've looked at the statute. This is a clear indication of a violation of law and they completely ghost you. <laughs> they don't, oh, they don't the guy, give us tickets. Well, no, that, yeah. yeah, it's even worse than ghosting yeah. you. It's, they, they, they arrest you the next day after you report this and say, we're going to charge you for trespass. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's so astonishing, and, but also good in many ways because it showcases just how corrupt this entire system is. That's one thing I'd like to return to if we can is the question of how, so 
obviously DXE strategy is very focused on making the argument that this is criminal, yeah. right? So sometimes there's an element of civil, like how do we make the decision to like civil disobedience is also, a, in my opinion, a good thing. But it's like if we're, DXE has made a really intentional choice to not frame it as civil disobedience, to frame it as a, everything is legal. You know, that's why I think the, the video with Curtis was interesting because there was a choice to go in the direction of de de-emphasizing Curtis's trespassing, mm -hmm. which was not legal except under an abstract moral necessity versus <laughs> the... Um, what are you talking about? So like... Curtis's trespassing? I'm not sure I'm following sure. you. Uh, Who's can, Curtis and the, what trespassing are you sure, talking sure. about? So just recently in Iowa, there was an incident where um, I was in a car with uh, Elmira and Curtis and some folks, and uh, we were driving back from the Iowa Falls action, and Elmira saw what she thought was a dead pile. And there's... That's, you know throw a stick and you'll hit one in Iowa. I think that really shocked. That was actually interesting about Iowa for me is to see, I've spent months there at this and point. And a dead pile is just a pile of dead pigs. Or in this dumpster. case, piglets. And right? they're by the road. Like that's what really shocks people is that yeah. it's easier to pick up, but there's just very visible, you know, dumpsters. And to see people from Berkeley, I've been around it, but to see their reaction to that kind of thing when they'd never, it, it did shock them. And I was like, it is a different world. But, um, you know, there was a, a dead pile and, and Curtis decided to, and he's public about this, he decided to walk onto the property mm -hmm. and photograph it. And that was not, unless you're, you know, making the broader interpretation of legal necessity, legal. But he found a piglet that was still alive in the pile. At that point, it became a matter of criminal animal neglect. Yeah. But it was not when he, so we could have just said in the video, you know, it would have been true, started the story with there, we found a piglet alive in the dead pile and, and, and de-emphasized the fact that there was civil disobedience. It wasn't just, um, so I was, I was personally happy that, that we told the fuller story of yeah. what, and so we decided Curtis came back to the car and we were shocked. None of us were anticipating this. And he says, there's someone alive in there. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you know, the folks in the car, including Ellie and I decided to go get them. Um, but we were maybe more covered by legal necessity, like, or not legal necessity. We may have been more within the confines of the law. Um, but what Curtis did was also right. Yeah. But it was civil disobedience. Yeah, the lawyer in me wants to say that I'm not sure that I would characterize it as civil disobedience <laughs> not, until yeah, I yeah. talk to Curtis and understand all the facts. I, I get yeah. your point. And I think mm -hmm. your point is sometimes, Less even clear. if it is unlawful, you should go ahead and break the law. Yeah. And sometimes you have an argument, as I think Matt had in, in the case he was charged under for removing a piglet, that I wasn't breaking the law in the first place because this is just an animal who's in need. I can't steal an animal when that animal is in desperate need of medical care and it's necessary for me to take her to Absolutely. a sanctuary where she can get that care. There's a spectrum, but I guess. I, is my... Honestly, I mean, to me, it, I, I could yeah, see yeah, there's a legal sure. distinction and it's going to be funny that I'm saying this because I'm the lawyer at the table. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it actually matters that much. I think what matters yeah. most is just changing cultural perceptions of various types of direct action, whether it's called civil disobedience or not. Civil disobedience is one of these things that lawyers and philosophers talk a lot about. But I'll give an example. I, I just sent an email out to a man. Some of you may have received this about the FBI raids of an animal sanctuary in Colorado where a mini armada of FBI agents and four SUVs mini armada, that's great. went into a sanctuary owned by this guy, Shalene Shaw, law-abiding citizen, never done anything criminal in his entire life, great guy, entrepreneur, got a family, wonderful human being, who just cares for sick and abused animals. 
I didn't even realize they'd done this. They held the entire sanctuary hostage for the duration of their inspection and raid of the facility to try and find two baby pigs who supposedly had been stolen from Smithfield Foods. And so everybody's detained? Everyone was detained. They couldn't leave. They had cops <laughs> surrounding the roads and armed men everywhere basically stopping people from leaving even because they, they wanted to make sure no one got out because you know someone could, could run Smuggle off a and pig. abscond with a piglet. Put a pig under their shirt. You never know. There could be a Charlotte's Web story unfolding. <laughs> well, the piglet wasn't... Wasn't such a small piglet by this time either. Right? Yeah, this is like a, I think he told me it was like a hundred pound piglet, hundred twenty pound piglet. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But my my point is, I, I send this email out, and it's this is a case where Chalene himself had not committed any crime. He had just received the piglet and tried to rescue. And there there are people on my personal mailing list that I sent this out to who are non animal rights people, and a lot of people involved in the mayoral campaign when I ran for mayor in twenty twenty. And I got a response. I'm going to name the person because you know, I mean, he's a good guy, and I don't I don't want to call him out who just immediately responded and said, I support your efforts to stop cruelty, but this is being done the right way and no one should ever be breaking the law. This is and being I done said, the wrong way, you mean? This is being done the wrong way. And, yeah. and he was talking about Shalene, and it's just, Shalene didn't do anything. All he did was take a piglet that was sick and gave him care. Mm -hmm. But because it was just outside of the cultural norm mm -hmm. and outside of what this guy's expectations were, he immediately thought, this is criminal activity. Or there's just something wrong with it because anytime, yeah. anytime the authorities come and inspect and investigate and charge someone, people assume mm -hmm. something wrong has happened because the authority figure is telling me that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. So whether it's civil disobedience, whether it's just direct action or we have some claim of legal right, the bigger problem that we're trying to fight with is the natural human tendency to just accept what authority tells us, even yeah. when it's yeah. stupid. I, yeah. I agree and I know what you're saying. I think what I'm trying to tease out here is more that the strategy that DXE has been pursuing in mm. many cases is a trying to find like a more concrete, easier, lower hanging fruit for something being legal than this broader claim of yeah. um, legal necessity. But I, I fundamentally, I agree with the point that you're making. Yeah. Well, let's walk back. I mean, so Kesey and Matt, how did you all decide you wanted to do this in the first place? So, and in particular, I'm actually curious about your story because I don't know your story. So you get this, I know, and we've talked about this previously, Matt, you get an email from Lucas and initially, you and I are thinking ourselves, this is kind of suspicious. Yep. This guy mm -hmm. could be trying to plant you. He was using a fake you. name. Yeah. You think he was Rick or something? Well, we didn't know it was a fake name, but yeah. We didn't yeah, know it was, it was a fake name, it was but funny later. so we're suspicious. But then we ultimately mm -hmm. conclude this guy's real. I mean, he's got legitimate complaints about overcrowding at ISF. Yeah. And then I'm actually kind of out of the picture because I, I, I had already stepped back from being lead organizer. And so I think I heard about the initial inquiry. And my main advice to you was just be very careful. Yeah. And then before I know it, I find out you're in Iowa. Be very yeah. careful in what sense. I think that's a good, like, be very careful of what. Yeah, be very careful because, one, you know, I, I don't want anyone to get in trouble, you or, or this potential whistleblower. But the, the main reason I thought Matt should be careful was because I was afraid this person was basically trying to entrap Matt. Of course. And convince him. Right. to do something and, and mm -hmm. basically arrest you before you even get an opportunity to do anything because well, you've we were, written something right. that is incriminating. I forgot I mean, about it was like that. A big I deep knew breath. at the time. <laughs> when, the, when the investigation was happening, you know, it's like conversation is one thing and it seems like this guy's helping us. But we don't really know. And like, yeah. I'm in Iowa. We're going on property of, you know, it's like, <clears throat> well, if, there, if this is some grand setup to get me on a <clears throat> trespass charge, I guess game, set, match. You, you know, you've gone deep enough. You got me here and... Uh, We'll see, you know, and then, but then once you, once this information is correct and you can, you know, and, and use that to, to gain some footage and you're like, okay. 
And for those of you who think we're paranoid, there's a long history of this sort of thing being used against activists, going back to the 1960s and 70s in COINTELPRO. And And subsequently, in particular, and subsequently, they did try to use those tactics. They tried to turn Lucas, the whistleblower at ISF, against us. To sell drugs. They tried to get him to sell drugs drugs and therefore basically incriminate all the activists for buying drugs. And thank God Lucas didn't buy it because... He's a human being who actually has integrity, unlike mm. many of these FBI agents. But mm. if you look at the history of the animal rights movement, some of the worst cases have actually occurred in the UK, but there was an actual undercover cop who impregnated an activist mm. while he was infiltrating an activist community trying to dig up dirt on the activists. In the United States, ELF and ALF activists have been criminated in prison, sometimes in some cases for years, by activists who were in relationships. I think you know, there was by, also by fake a cute, activists who were in relationships. A cute story and, of someone who ran away, who was an infiltrator and fell in love with an activist and ended up, I believe, and ended up just ditching, like just totally turning and running off with it. I haven't heard this abandoning one. Abandoning there. Yeah, yeah, that was very... Uh, one surprised me because it's such a corrupt system. It's, yeah. I mean, it's hard to sustain yourself. I, I will say a lot of the stories about undercover cops that are infiltrating communities like this, those cops often end up becoming the real criminals. So like this cop in the UK who impregnated an activist... He ended up getting caught many years later, I think because he was involved in other criminal activity. Well, it's like... I think he was like assaulting people, domestic violence, all sorts of other crazy shit. And it's not surprising. Someone who's that depraved, willing to manipulate and, and entrap right. peaceful story. activists to the point that he's impregnating someone. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's... Yeah. Then, that he would all otherwise be involved in a lot of unethical conduct. Funny right. story. When I came around, I mean, I had been... I was working for an animal rights nonprofit, but I... I got embedded in DXC and in Matt's life so fast, like in, you know, this very inner, I I had access to a lot of stuff that everyone else was kind of the OG, known each other for years, Uh, original gangster. It's a (laughs) a term for your old school. (laughs) No, I know that. I'm not that much of a loser, Keith. A lot of people don't. (laughs) A lot of people don't. And I use it a lot. Um, And it's one of those things. I know what AF means too. I feel like I shouldn't. I know Bay. A-F. As, as, uh, okay, can't say there that. we go. No, we can say that. As this is AF. a podcast, so we can say. So, some as, people, wait, what as, you just say as AF. What, what does AF stand for? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right, you're right. So, somebody actually, oh, yeah, there was some discussion fuck, of me. Right? Yeah, but I'm saying when I came in and just swoop, moved into Dingo and I swooped into Matt's you're life, OG. I know there was a little bit of uh, talk about like, is she an infiltrator just because it is so plausible? Who talked about this? It was a suspicion that was not a strong suspicion, but. I'll put it this way. People who were who living, this? I can't, I'm not going to name them, but somebody, I'm gonna have words somebody with this living in Dingo this. Den, <laughs> this, somebody living in Dingo Den was like, was it my dog? Oh. Tell me the truth. It was my dog. No, I'm just kidding. He I'm, is, I'm he sure. He's a very suspicious one. He Oliver is. Oliver, Oliver is, not Oliver is a very trust suspicious anyone. He is. Yeah. yeah. But, but because no, it could, nothing is on, like nothing is, this kind of goes back to yeah. what I'm going to say later about how I read what was going on in Iowa is nothing is implied. Like something might be unlikely, but nothing is really beyond the realm of possibility for because of this history, you know. Yeah, like, yeah because of some of the absurd things the and government also has the done. Incompet- like there's also just the element of when it's just absurdist, there is the element of potentially just incompetence. Yeah, I also think that the, the sorts of agents that would be willing to undertake law enforcement activities against peaceful activists yeah. who are trying to expose animal cruelty, there's got to be some selection bias there. In favor of sociopaths and psychopaths mm-hmm. who just are otherwise people who don't give a shit about anybody. You know? Yeah. Maybe one And I think there are already, unfortunately, a lot of these in law enforcement. Not to say that everyone in law enforcement is a psychopath. I mean, my uncle's in the I, military. I, I thought about becoming a cop. I made it psychopath. three quarters of the way through the. Uh, really? Yeah, because when? I wanted to help. You oh. know, I, I yeah. 
I do. I have had. Here's me property getting, owners. Here's me from, getting in trouble. No, know, like I mean, activists. you know, I I have been in situations. And my family have been in situations. Like my sister was a victim of domestic violence. Where if the cops hadn't come, she would yeah. be dead. That's a real thing right. that cops yeah. do, as well as yeah. oppress people. Like it's they yeah. they also help people. I, I'm gonna get myself in trouble with my not not say an a cab in this context oh, but one thing that maybe we maybe could return to is um i lost my train of oh right so the the port congress so we had somebody go into the iowa port congress while we were in, it's a funny story if i could tell everybody getting kicked out except for mm-hmm. this one white guy who was able to like uh when we filmed the fbi or you know we got a recording of the somebody from the fbi talking at the port congress about this movement to to the industry like and it was refreshing to hear there was a certain level of balance. Like he wasn't on our side, but he mm-hmm. did say, which I appreciated, these people are not t- are typically opposed to violence against you. To, to say, like, instead of fear-mongering, like, mm. hey, you know, we know this movement. And he was trying to advise people on how to protect their property. But he also said some accurate, true things. Um, and I've just heard other incidents of the FBI where the person isn't personally a huge jerk being interested in both sides of potential criminal animal abuse and potential, potential criminal activity by activists. We got to find that FBI agent and put them on the case for DXE. Cause all the FBI agents who've been chasing us around are calling us terrorist and, well, he's still, he, no, he managed to get that in there, though. It was he like, well, oh, they don't, they don't, they're not violent towards humans, but, but then they, they go into their definition no, he, of violence. He actually said that, uh, you know, he was talking about the bar for the FBI to get involved, and he was making it clear to the industry that they will not get involved just because mm-hmm. it's radical in intention. Like, there has to be a certain... I thought it was. I thought it was measured, you know? Like, he was basically saying, like, A, just factually, we're not going to go after people just because you've you feel that something was politically motivated. We have to have more grounds, just technical. And also he was saying that like, this isn't really the, so somebody asked about African swine flu and was kind of implying if he'd been alarmist, it was like, aren't you worried? Like, is there any concern of them intentionally introducing bio, just this really outrageous, insulting claim. And to the guy's credit, he said, no, he's like, we're not really concerned that activists will introduce, uh, a biological <laughs> weapon. It's like, okay, that's nice that he didn't take that, you know, but it's always interesting. So to what are you talking about? You're talking about the Iowa pork Congress. Yeah. Yeah. We got, why were uh, you there? And when was this? Oh, uh, well, th- this is well, just in the panels. past week. I mean, so yeah. we we're already in, we we're already around and had I mean, a bunch of people. Was, and this we, was a uh, panel on protecting your farm against, protecting your farm from activists. So of course we yeah. want to see what the industry is. Uh, yeah. And is uh, saying. Uh, actually it'll be, well, probably by the time this podcast comes out, there'll be a intercept story. Uh, that uh, Li Fang is writing right now, uh, touching on all this, how DXE was uh, described in this uh, weapons of mass destruction memo, uh, which is just hilarious and outrageous, uh, you know, under kind of this whole guise of bioterrorism, so-called, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's just... <laughs> One uh, one level of the absurdity. So the Iowa Pork Congress just unfolded in the last couple of weeks. While we were, and it in happened Iowa. to be while you were in trial. Yeah. Yes. How did I not know any of this? I guess I left There's early because my cat to was follow. sick. Like, so and you all went to visit it, and everyone got kicked out. Uh, well, I didn't even try. You didn't even try. His um, picture is basically at registration at this point. We had uh, a this 
writer for Harper's Magazine, mm-hmm. who is who had previously been a staff writer for the New Yorker. Beautiful young she woman, like not activisty looking is, at all, uh, very yeah. professional. She was not only kicked out of this event, which which accepts media, they kicked her out of this event and then she was still within the complex. So that's like there's one part of this this giant complex that was like for this event. She was at another place in the complex, just like on her phone, figuring out what she's going to do. After already having been kicked out of the event, and she's elsewhere in the complex, one of the event people got a police officer and came up there, and and, and those two, with a police officer under threat of trespass, kicked her out. She found that traumatic. She said later that she's not used to having (laughs) that kind of interaction. I mean, I hope it gets into the story, because that says so much about the industry, that you're so threatened, even by press. Yeah, that you actually have to call the police to have press removed from your poor Congress. And the irony is, I mean, like if you contrast that with the way we approach things at our animal liberation, Western Convergence, Utah. Welcome infiltrators. Welcome friends. Yeah, there was a, yeah. a the factory farm owner of the company that we had investigated in the rescue that showed up. Yep. And we, were, we welcomed them with open arms and said, yeah, come on in. We want to hear your perspective. And I just I know I said this before, but there's so much to be said about people who can just stand by their beliefs. Mm-hmm. If you cannot defend your beliefs, if you have to suppress and imprison and gag people in order to vindicate your own belief system, then you're, then I got some news for you. Your belief system is a little fucked up. No. You should not have to arrest journalists. You should not have to gag people and imprison people to, to win the argument. You should be able yeah. to win the argument on its merits. But who really the disagrees with this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Other than people with a financial incentive, I just haven't found anybody that even if they try to use cognitive dissonance to be like, oh, the meat that I buy, this is my favorite one. Yeah. That's terrible. But the meat that I buy, and it's not even like they're necessarily going to some, but it's like when I go to a taco, it's like... It's like it doesn't say ventilation shutdown approved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, you know... VSD taco. Um, yeah. Shouldn't laugh about that. That's kind of grim. <laughs> but it is funny too. You know, it's nobody is going to say like, yes, like hiding the truth just because it's gruesome. Yeah. It's only people with a financial incentive you know in my experience like nobody's just like you know or people that are trying to get they're on facebook and they're keyboard warriors and they're just we had some of that going on in iowa too where people got keyboard warriory about defending whatever isf when they didn't really like who are these people these are just random people we all love the good versus evil story Mm -hmm. it's a danger for all of us it's a danger for activists um, we love to have a villain so yeah someone's circulating a bunch of social media posts from the local community about how Animal rights activists might be showing up for trivia night that's, at the that's bar. The, so that's, right? It's like, it was shared this is very over, dangerous. It's going to be, okay. so there could be vegans at trivia tonight. 400 times over 400, 400 times. People, shares. People were driving by a protest in Clarion, Iowa, which, you know, there's not a lot going on in Clarion, Iowa. We were, we were the front page story three weeks in a row. Nice. Uh, Including in a town. story that we had left. The third front page story was activists have left Clarion. Yes. You're like the Brad Pitt of Iowa You're all safe to, What? You're like the Brad Pitt of Iowa. Everybody <laughs> no, knows he's the boogeyman I mean, of Iowa. Kids can dress up as him for Halloween. And they haven't, they still haven't bothered to like update any sort of headshot or ask for a headshot. They do the, 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 the mug shot with my hair like all over the place works uh, beautifully good. right on the front page. You know? You look very rustic. You look very Iowan, man. Can we tell, can we, if, if you haven't already told that story of your arrest on the podcast, I don't know if we can tell it. That's my favorite story. I can tell whatever well, stories he wants to tell. I, I don't know. We talked about this before, to... right? Didn't you talk uh, about getting arrested in your underwear? Have, last uh, time? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the meth accusation. <laughs> the That's probably why they thought Lucas. They're like, underwear. oh, this guy probably is already on meth. Yeah. So, like, Lucas, yeah, this yeah, would be really he, easy for you. The cops had to put his pants on for him while he was handcuffed. He said that was very awkward. I actually read the police thing. It's so. Ridiculous. I didn't hear that. They had to put your pants on for they you. They didn't have to. Well, they they, they, they handcuffed him in my underwear. Yeah, so you can't and you can't. 
put pants on when you're handcuffed. You can't really yeah. do anything when you're handcuffed. Well, what's so, I mean, no, I was just reading the police report, which I guess for the record, uh, sad story. There, there's not any body cam footage oh, to be had no, of this. Oh, no, I was waiting in for Polk that. In Polk County, uh, which the, the county sheriff for some reason. a little scandal. I think it reason. might be better, better off not having that. This is why I'm useful for when Matt is talking. This is why people, mm-hmm. journalists, love me, is I am a repository of anecdotes and details. I think nice. it's a woman, like women just have been proven oh, to have more of a... You know, like a, there's this comedian, the stand-up comedian that was talking about how you'll be driving with your partner and she'll say, do you remember that thing you said to me last Thanksgiving at your mother's house? And it's just like, oh no, how does she... So I have all these. That's why I just keep interjecting. I, cool, funny. I know that... Moving dangerously are, into gender essentialism. No, we're, we, are, we are blank slates. There are, I, I, I know it to be true because I read it in my Bible of gender essentialism. Right, let's I've, let's, I've let's get both of you out of trouble before you're, you're permanently removed from all social movements. Oh um, so you, share this one so you, you get, let me, let's actually go back to the question I started this conversation with, which is you get notice from Lucas and then Kesey, how do you get looped into this? I mean, what, what is, I'm what is the I'm looped into every, like you have to understand Matt and I both work from home. Yeah. We're in the same room Literally, we would go days where maybe we had <laughs> 30 right. minutes where one person went downstairs to like heat up some fake chicken nuggets. <laughs> so everything. And of course, I'm when I'm with him in Iowa, like, where's that distance? Like, how could I not be uh-huh. like, what do you think I stay in the hotel? You know, like. Um, and this so, is because you're both activists working from home. Yeah. Yeah. And you're and sharing a room because you're in a relationship. Is that? Yeah, so exactly. You, so, so you just hear about it because you're just there. And literally. we just, that's our okay. dynamic is that we've always been, you know, in Iowa, I remember Matt put on this song, our first trip that was called Bonnie and Clyde. And that oh. was kind of our thing, especially Aww, when somebody on cute. Twitter posted a picture of us after we went to Rosenboom's house. Uh-huh. This really great. It's funny. People picked the most like Animal Ag Alliance had a, a website on, they have different they're private, but there was one just for me. I'm sure there's one for many people with my name and my picture huh. and a description of me. And they picked the, the nicest, most innocent looking Facebook picture. Aww. So for this picture of this Twitter post of Matt and I, and this is just some random person, they picked this picture of Matt and I at his brother's wedding where he's a groomsman. And we just look like the perfect couple. Like we look so, and it said, oh, this is actually even fun. Like there's a really funny part of this. I forgot. There's a, it says this guy is apparently from Cresco. He and his girl are traveling around making trouble. This is very folksy. Just like Bonnie and Clyde. And they said... Uh, You've been like seen Bonnie. traveling with a dog. You're, so you yeah, fucked up my punchline. Right, <laughs> so that's what I was... So they said they're traveling in a white SUV, you know, whatever SUV, and they are often seen, often, in the company of a three-legged white dog. Wow. So it was one time. So very, that was his brother's dog. But it sounds cooler to say they are often seen. The only thing that's more dangerous to an, a pig farmer about... Animal rights act. This is animal rights act. This is a tiny, three-legged dog. They were a tiny dog. Even scarier. Yeah. So let me just finish. I want to finish answering Wayne's question. Um, so, you know, I was just, it's our passion. It's our, like, Iowa was just our thing. That's, we went to Iowa for a month right after yeah. we started dating. Because you, you had been part of this prior investigation involving Senator Rosenboom. I think you mentioned that name earlier. This He's was, a state senator in Iowa who actually owns a factory farm himself. He is, yeah, but this was actually prior to we had done the investigation but it hadn't been publicized yet. So Mm. the funny thing is when we went to his house and confronted him he had no idea that we had already went to Rosenboom's house. It was technically his brother's house which is on the property but Rosenboom rolled up five minutes later with the sheriff like it was um, but it was was like kind of delicious to know that he doesn't realize how screwed he really is right now. When you say it was when what do you mean by it? Um, you said it was when. So, or like I'm just when trying we, to figure out what you mean by that. On our first trip to Iowa, 
Um, we so this did, would have been April of 2019. So yeah. we're going yeah. back yeah. a little bit further. So right after we started dating, I started dating this guy. I don't really know. And he says, hey, do you want to go to Iowa and do an investigation? And I'm like, how romantic. This is the fucking coolest mm-hmm. The novelty wore off for me. I don't know what's weirder, the fact that Matt thought that was a good opening line and the fact that you thought that was great. You're my Prince Charming. (laughs) Of course. but You want to go to a factory farm on our first date? The funny thing is that like the novelty of, you know, I guess I could say a little bit about, and I'm not a highly experienced investigator at all, but I've done, you know, a a good handful, I guess. It's the, the novelty of it, the cool, for me at least, personally, it is not, it is not fun. I don't know that anyone would say it's fun, but the fact that people want to do this at the first time, it was like walk, literally just the fact that we had walkie talkies to me, like it was my childhood fantasy of like being a spy. I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. But after like the first and time, we have nice walkie talkies to the record. You, you're the earpiece. Yeah, oh my God. I took a video of myself in the car. Yeah. These like, are like $200 headsets with the Motorola earpiece and everything. Yeah, so, but, just so you all know, maybe I shouldn't even admit that, but we do have nice walkie talkies. <laughs> But it's just, it, it just wore off so fast. And now I remember someone being like, are you pushing for information from Matt on investigations? And I was like, there is no glamour to this any, anymore for me. Like it's, it's just annoying. Like it's just stressful and uncomfortable. And yeah, uh, but anyway, so it's weird because it has become kind of a glamorous thing, but when I started doing this, it wasn't glamorous. I mean, there was no one who was doing this. You made it glamorous apparently. I I mean, I guess I, I don't think I made it glamorous. I think if anyone, Patty Mark made it glamorous. But it, even sure. Patty it never did it in a glamorous way, and she's not a glamorous oh, person. Not, a glamorous all. not that way. she isn't beautiful. She's an amazing human being and beautiful yeah. inside and out. Patty, I love you if you're listening to this. She oh. probably isn't because she's got more important things to do, like you know, Sneaking care for around. hundreds of animals that are sanctuary. But Sneaking when I first started doing this, yeah, it was I, I cool. did this not because it was appealing in any way, but because of my course. life was in such utter shit that I was quite sure I was going to kill myself. So I thought, well... What's slightly better than killing myself? Walking into a yeah. factory farm. And so if I'm going to kill myself anyways, I'll just do something that's nearly as awful. Yeah. And it was an awful experience. I will say, I think whatever glamour people, ha- sense of glamour people have about open rescue and investigations, it quickly dissipates when you start yeah. doing the actual grunt work. And yeah. there are relatively few people, I think, do it really, really well, partly for that reason, because it is dreary. There's long periods of time. I mean, one of my favorite awful stories about <laughs> investigations is to get footage from a slaughterhouse in Ealing, China, I had to lie in a latrine for like nine hours a day. <laughs> you do get good like stories. I, nine out hours and just hope <clears throat> someone didn't show up and, oh and spot me in the latrine and say like, what the fuck are you doing lying in a latrine? That Which is so actually hardcore. on one case, in one case someone did. And oh. that's how I got the shit beat out of me that, that day. Is but but it's, it's, it's not glamorous work at all. And it's very unpleasant. And if I'm not saying... I'm not saying that we shouldn't create a sense of glamour because I think part of effective movement messaging is making the movement cool. Like, I'm just going to say it. It's, I it's, completely That agree. might seem shallow, but this is just the human condition. Human beings care about what's cool. Part of what made the gay rights movement powerful was LGBTQ folks feeling cool. Part of what made the civil rights movement powerful was Martin Luther King Jr. It was just super cool. I am so happy to hear you say that because I've never heard... So people, you know, uh, some counterglow stuff like we've talked about just the idea of, and it's not like we ever said, we want to center humans, but somebody had floated the idea of a, a strategy we were thinking of trying of like, well, that doesn't center the animals because it mm-hmm. talks about the idea of the activist. And I was like, you know, honestly, humans connect to humans. All species mm-hmm. connect to their own species more easily um, and 
probably to a greater, I mean, certainly you can have cross species bonds as we know that are very intense, but like people who are not activists who are just looking at this on TikTok or something, it is beneficial to us for them to see something that they want to be. However you want to frame that. And if it's just non-human animals, I'm sorry, there, there is a certain disconnect if there's for most people where it's not as easy to connect to a chicken as it is to see yourself. I'm not in even that. sure I agree with that. Cause I think animals can be cool. Oh, of course. No, the animals themselves course. can be cool. And I'm not sure we even need human stories. I just think the stories have to be cool. So like corgis, corgis are super cool. And if all the animals being exploited in factory farms and laboratories were corgis, mm. there would be a lot of uproar about this because corgis are adorable and they're on TikTok. I'm not even on TikTok and I've seen like more corgi TikTok videos and I've seen you know, human TikTok videos because just, they're just cool. I'm not sure. I so agree. I, I think that in many ways, making animals cool is less dangerous because the flip side that I was the other, the other side of the coin is that while it is the case, we have to harness fashion style. Cool just just the, 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 the <laughs> reputational value of, of having people who have, you know, a certain rapport with their audience and with just the public at large, there's also a real danger of, of movements becoming too self-centered. Of you know, course. it becomes, it becomes Ego, very absolutely. self-involved and narcissistic. And I think like part of the way we balance that at DXC is what is it's democratic, right? So at the end of the day, people who are just serving themselves are not going to get elected in leadership or not going to get in positions where they're seen as cool. Yeah. But secondly, I mean, I think just the nature of direct action in the context that we're undertaking it is, is one that involves immense sacrifice. So it's cool, but it's coming at a serious personal cost. And that's part of the counterbalancing of, of whatever coolness we're creating. But there is an element of coolness. Yeah. Right. And Do you feel cool, Matt? Oh, the, the, the sacrifice adds oh, to the cool, feels. adds to the, the coolness factor too, I suppose. But uh, yeah, you can only... <laughs> At yeah. some point, as my as my dad is extremely quick to remind me, you know, you keep taking so many risks, and one of these days, does, you, do your, does your family think that your work is cool, or do they think you're a loser? Yeah, I mean both, you know. Both. But uh, yeah, I mean everybody. You mean both in the sense that there's some family members who think you're cool, and some family members who think you're a loser, or is it the same family? Oh member? no, I thought I thought I, I thought you no no nobody nobody thinks loser. I misheard you. I thought you, were, I thought you said huh. like loose cannon or something. No, I said loser. Um, no, everybody, uh, yeah, I think by the time you've gone through, you know, the full process with the investigation being as horrible as it is, and then the prosecution and just like the whole spectacle of it and seeing how much support there is behind me, kind of a social proof factor with mm. like documentary crew and so on. Everyone in my family by now that I talked to about this, it's That's awesome. like respect I- and... With with you know I mean, some like you're I'm, getting a little crazy, you might get a little. You I'm know, gonna say having heard, it. having been with in these interactions, like it's it's not like an anti, you know, like this is bad, but there's also a level of being disimpressed. Mm. I'm thinking specifically of his father, and it's interesting when some people don't get how big mm. of a deal mm-hmm. stuff is. I remember Matt hinting before, right before the Rosenboom investigation came out, we were with his dad. Something pretty big coming out in the paper, you know, and he was just like, just grunted and started talking about parrots. Like it was just this complete, like not negative, but just like, that's nice. That's Matt's little thing that he does, you know? Till then, like, start seeing him, and the, the, yeah, that'll like take the picture of the Des Moines Register, you know, and he's like, oh. like, oh. That's the way my family thinks of it. My, my family, Even though too. they're really supportive of it, they still think it's like some childish, you know, hobby that I have, and when are you going to yeah. grow up? And I mean, my, my family I, definitely, I mean, 
I have some close family members who think it's cool, but for the most part, I think my family members think I'm a loser. When are you going to finally achieve a constitutional amendment for animal rights and do you know do something real with your life so yeah. you can free I mean, up your time? When I showed my family the intercept, you know, when CounterGlow launched, I showed my family the intercept article. My grandma's just like, "Oh, that's nice, honey." I could have just been telling her I got a job at Starbucks. It was yeah. the same level. Of, oh, how well, that's a nice, a nice. That's cool. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so sorry, just to wrap up the VSD thing. So CounterGlow is about to come out. I'm What's Counterglow? Project Counterglow is the organization that I head. Um, our flagship contribution is a a map of, and this this doesn't sound cool until you understand the or it doesn't I sound think it sounds cool. It sounds, sounds cool, cool too. but it doesn't the the importance of it isn't clear until you understand the context. So there's almost thirty thousand farms on this map, and people are blown away by that. But people assume this information about where that you know information about where they're located, who owns them that this is public, that you can get this if you, maybe you have to hunt for it. I think the best one-line summary of why this mattered so much to me, mm-hmm. that when I learned this, I was like, I have to do this. Because it took me and the team I was working with a year to put this together. That was two years ago. The EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, is responsible for regulating uh, CAFOs, confined animal feeding operations. So basically factory farms. They don't know how many they there are or where they are if you look at the epa's records they have i think seven thousand. there are an estimated twenty thousand CAFOs in the united states and the usda who does know because they hand out the subsidies they actually got a legal injunction to prevent or the the industry worked on a legal injunction to prevent the usda from sharing information with the epa about where these farms are located so you have two agencies within the government that are um, legally barred from sharing information. So that's how hard they're working. So the EPA doesn't even know where they are. And the Government Accountability Office did a study on this that said, hey, like it's kind of a problem. And also for things like climate change, like you can't accurately estimate yeah. something like methane levels. Um, but the most delicious part of all this, looking at, um, so back in, I think 2012, some environmental groups, um, including National Resource Defense Council, filed a lawsuit to get, to say, hey, we, uh, sorry, not a lawsuit, a Freedom of Information Act request. And uh, they they gave it to them. It was within the... And then the industry raised such a fuss that they they demanded it back, and they gave it back, which I wouldn't have done, but they have bigger liability. The NRDC, I guess, has more liability than me. I would have been like, screw you, I'm not giving this bigger back. Bigger liability than your <laughs> than organization me, you that know? you just founded five um, minutes. <laughs> well, I'm saying now. Yeah, yeah. but uh, And they got an exemption from FOIA categorically for factory farm information. But the most delicious thing when I was learning about this was the ca- the it's actually I think the Pork Producers Council one of their lawyers around the context of this case where they were or this process where they were saying we need FOIA exemption for this information said if this information gets out there it will provide a map for radical animal extremists and they weren't talking about a literal map at that point but it was just like hmm good idea <laughs> but uh so we were so basically, this is the largest. So we scoured not just every public source. Like I said, it took a year. But every private source, every... Not that we have all of them, clearly. But like this is by far, by a magnitude of... What is 7,000 to 30,000? I'm not good at math. Four, okay. By a magnitude of, of four times the largest source of... And a lot of people want this, not just animal rights people. But we've had journalists approach us. We've had people doing grad work, being like, can you give me more... But anyway, so this uh, this is about to launch, about to go public. It's been under the radar. I am more stressed out than I've ever been in my entire life. And Matt 
starts talking about going to Iowa. And as far as I can tell, just driving around, this is such a, something I really appreciate about Matt is he has this vision that seems totally unrealistic to most people. <laughs> and, uh, but he, he has a pretty solid track record, but to me, it just, you know, he, I'm just like, okay, how are we going to find this? And he's talking about, we'll drive around. I'm like, we're going to drive around. I'm like, <laughs> cause the Lucas thing was, was not clear how useful. So Matt's like, asked me if I'm, if I'll go. Cause I've always gone with him the last two month long. And he asked me to go and I wasn't going to go because of Counterglow coming out, but he really pushes me to go. And I thought, well, that's so romantic. He just Aww. really wants me to go. And then I realized later he just didn't have many people that were willing to go. Oh, I mean, I think so it was a good. little bit of comedy, a little bit. I didn't realize until like a year later that actually he asked. You thought it was because he was so connected to you. Well, I think it was a little so column A, a little column B. And this is the first month. It was TV. like, hey, oh, no, no, really is... like you're the only person I can find. No, 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 no. in the morning the and yours is two, two. two trips before. I'm saying when VSD happened, it was. This isn't the first day. This is. No, I think he did just want me to. It was also his brother's. He needed a date for his brother's wedding so i think Aww, that's how i ended up cute. on this well, investigation. Wait, which your one? girlfriend is a decent the date. first one was his brother's wedding and okay. he we decided yeah. he decided to do this i decided that my girlfriend would be an appropriate person to have as a date nice yeah but uh oh it's funny his family actually um you should you should do what i do and be the embarrassing 40 year old single guy oh especially in all your family gatherings i mean no i already <laughs> that's did that that's what i'm doing she was, my life. she's probably <laughs> so, an escort so that's you keep, oh my keep God, swooping that's my punchline so yeah right. apparently at the wedding his, his his sister made a comment about that woman matt paid to come out here with him and that kind of goes back to the idea of what it's does this family you're think. So beautiful, Keith. Thank you. But he goes <laughs> back to the idea. It's only because of, they have such high esteem of me. The idea <laughs> like, of like, there's no way that no act, way that happened. Why in the would this? Process. Why would this weird? The record, Matt. You're also very beautiful. <laughs> Matt's one of the fittest guys I know. He's, he's ripped. It's he amazing how it's so like. Nah, he's uh, still great. <laughs> I'm his roommate. I know how much he works. Oh, out. okay. I guess that's true. This guy's buff. Yeah. Uh, it is, anyway, we're, we're bouncing all over the place but here. But it is funny finish. how my how how my, my 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 cousin. It's like so entrenched that like this animal rights stuff is like the least cool shit ever. Exactly. That it's just uh what is this Doug? No, no, this is uh one of my cousins. Uh, okay. uh I've just heard the name Doug a bunch of times, and I have no yeah. idea. Who Doug oh, is. I, he's my brother-in-law. He's oh, awesome. God. I'd like to meet all the islands. Yeah, yeah. No, you got Doug is a Doug is a character. Doug, if yeah. you're out there, I'm gonna meet you someday. You should send <laughs> this to Doug. Uh, no, I'm, I'm gonna have to know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but so, hey. so you're saying your cousin? Uh well, yeah, anyway, just it, I mean, it's just uh. I mean, it's so, so this was before all this other stuff happened. So I think everybody's views have shifted in a good direction here. Now that I've kind of got a little skin in the game and did something that's, you know, something a little more substantial than just arguing over Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, so, but you know, at the time it was, you know, it was just very much like this Matt's running off to California. Who knows what the heck he's doing, but you're the only vegan in well the family. You're like the only oh, yeah. animal. Oh yeah. 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 Family. Cause your brother's like in a dairy family. Yeah, Your grandparents of, were involved in animal farming, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was this staying little stuff we were going to get then, ready for trial too was going to be such a wonderful portrait of Matt Johnson. I was going to yeah. be a character trial. witness in the trial. I, know, was gonna <laughs> be I actually too. asked him the other day, like I never got prep. We never got to prep. I was like, what was <laughs> Wayne going to ask me about your character? Um, <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. All the bad things. Anyway, All the bad no. things. No. Um, so, so in other words, you did it for love. Uh, yeah, is that right? <laughs> yes, yes. One thing I do want to throw in real quick is that um, the my assumption was that Matt was had all the re it, it didn't it wasn't clear to me how much of a shoestring budget, so to speak, as far uh -huh. as human resources because these are these incredibly impactful things. I assume DXC is flying 
you know, I'm like, they're going to fly, you know, four top investigators out there for VSD. I'm just coming along to like, yeah. for, for my sake. And actually it was really for until now, it was really with Iowa stuff. Like Matt had to make it happen with whatever skeleton crew over there. He could like scrounge up pretty much. Well, it's probably because it happened so quickly. Uh, yeah. We a lot of word it. from Lucas. I think just a couple days before it was going to start, right? Yeah, we had been in yeah. touch about other stuff. Houses. Well, we had been in, t- it, you know, conversation started as like there's a lot of overcrowding happening, which is horrible enough, but not notable, not unique. The way ventilation shutdown was. Um, and then, yeah, for a while it evolved into ventilation shutdown, and it was like, yeah, ready, like yeah. get moving on it real quick. Uh, so, you know, I, um, yeah, I mean, I had a f- flight for like the next day and, uh, grabbed up Kesia and kind of pieced together uh, a crew, you know, real quick. I mean, but it's it's I mean, it's so amazing. She even like looking yeah, back it on it, the people that sprung into action and when people have like a mission in front of them, it's like the most amazing. I mean, yeah, like flow state, like whatever you want to call it. But just like people worked so hard and just like so on, like no zero like conflict, zero hesitation. Like people were like. So it was, it's just amazing. And I wish I could just like, you, know, you had an important good, purpose. Good in all the ways. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what all the organizational psychology says too, that you have to start with why. And mm. the more compelling your why is, why are we doing this? Why are we here? Yeah. Why me? Yeah. You know, the more compelling your why is, the more powerful the what and the how and the who and the when. Everything else kind of fills in the gaps on mm-hmm. its own once you have a strong why. And you had a very, very strong why. Yeah. But yeah. So anyways, you all, you and Kesia and this skeleton crew go out there, you document things, you get charged with these very serious offenses, including an ag gag charge. And we haven't actually talked too much about the trial, and that's one thing we have to talk about, because <laughs> I think this audience is going to be very curious about what the hell just happened. So um, from your perspective, like, what was the first thing that you were thinking when we went to trial? And you fly out to Iowa, you had been there for a couple, couple weeks, weeks earlier, and then- to see family. Yeah. When did we find out that you might have COVID? Was it before? Oh God, that was like the day I flew in, right? Or the day it was. Um. Yeah, I think it was the day you flew in. It was like four or five days before trial was supposed to start, and I literally was like, we were thinking, it's like, it wasn't like the wildest idea. It was not out of the like question to like intentionally get COVID. (laughs) I mean, it probably was, but it was like I thought about it for a minute when I first got there, like January sixth, because you know you have your before trial, way before trial, yeah, just so you could get out of the way, right? And then yeah, kind of like yeah, we wouldn't get intentional COVID to stop the trial because we wanted the trial. And honestly, when we were talking about this, I was talking to Almir and some other folks. Almir is another team member who's preparing us for trial. We're talking about how we are in the middle of a COVID surge. Someone inevitably is going to get COVID. And we said, the one person who can't get covered is Matt. <laughs> so we were like, we need to protect Matt and make sure no one is exposed and no one goes uh, in a room with Matt. And I guess secondarily me, but even if, even if I had gotten COVID, it was less of a big deal than you. Yeah. Because the trial can actually kind of still go on without the attorney because we had two attorneys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and I, you know, kind of plan, you know, it's like trying to like do the family thing and have that going on and then yeah. what you got to do. I mean, you got to plan for that. it. Yeah, so I guess you're the going hotel, to see like, your four days ahead before trial, and yeah. it could be a while before you get to see them again. Yeah, so I don't fault you for that. At all. And I was, yeah, I was literally like, got the it was like the 16th, and my trial was supposed to start on the 20th, and I'm like, okay, well, if I could just be in my hotel room. We only got to do four more days, and it's like literally as I'm like pulling into Clary, and it's like, oh yeah. boy, <laughs> you start feeling some of the symptoms. Yeah, but I guess yeah, that's right. It was on Sunday morning. 
Yeah. Because you, you were telling me on Saturday night you were already starting to feel it, but you just thought, oh, it's just because I've been yeah, partying was, too hard for my family. And then yeah. Sunday morning when you're driving to Clarion, that's what yeah. you're And the irony is we had just heard from the other attorney, Adam. I was already feeling really stressed out because co-counsel in this case, Adam Janaid, who's our local counsel in Iowa, his son had come down with COVID yep. like two days before. And he thought he did. but And he thought he had it too, although yep. he ended up turning up negative. Yeah. Um, and one of the funny things about this is throughout all this, the prosecution we knew and suspected, and ultimately they did do this, they were not ready for this trial at all. And they were yeah. trying to push it back. Yeah. <laughs> and so they filed a motion to continue. And I'm just thinking, praying every night that Matt, please get better. <laughs> please get better because mm-hmm. we have such a unique opportunity to present a case, not just for you, but for the animals. Yep. And because... We had been forced to show our hand. Yeah. You know, that, that was, was the thing that was really annoying because yeah. they filed the motion to continue. I think it was three days before trial. And this is one day before trial, they dropped the charges. But three days before trial, they filed the motion to continue on the grounds that they weren't prepared because we had given them all these witnesses, including Kesey. I don't think I even told you this, but mm. you actually almost caused a problem for us. I'm just kidding. It was actually mm. me. I mean, but we that. added you and some other witnesses because we thought we want to really tell the story about what unfolded. We want the jury to be able to see this is not just one wackadoodle animal rights activist. This they, is like other people like Kesia. There's like, many wackadoodles. Well, saw Yeah, it's multiple post. wackadoodle. Is that a word? Wackadoodle? When Matt was, Wack- yes. Was that a, okay. According to me. So when Matt was running for court, it was also Valentine's Day. I wrote the most glowing endorsement Aww. that I think has ever been written about anyone. It, it was just the most like power, like, I think they probably saw that. And that's why I was so confident when you were like, do you want to be a character witness? I was like, I can make Matt. It was basically my part-time job to make Matt look good. good for two years. I was like, people were fucking, I've made people cry talking yeah. about Matt. Like, So we list you know. these character witnesses, including Kesey, we were going to call Trent Johnson. Uh, we we're thinking Matt's about brother. calling Linda Cridge, who was Matt's co-defendant. Um, but she was consulting with her attorney about whether it was appropriate because she had just taken a plea bargain. And they file a motion to continue or arguing, we can't go to trial because we don't have time. And really, it had nothing to do with the witnesses at all. From my mm-hmm. perspective, it had everything to do with the fact that they had seen the arguments we were planning to bring. Mm-hmm. And in particular, the many arguments we had for introducing evidence of animal cruelty and the VSD stuff. And yeah. we had we were much more prepared for this trial than North oh, Carolina. Yeah. We got torpedoed on day one in North Carolina. The judge just struck down all our efforts to include any animal cruelty evidence. And it was the opposite. On the Friday before trial, we had a hearing with the judge. It was a very intense hearing, and I was thinking this is going to be the moment of truth because this basically could decide the trial because the judge is going to decide whether we're allowed to introduce evidence of animal welfare. And he actually didn't even issue a ruling yet. He just heard our arguments. But the prosecution was so unprepared that the judge was independently of us raising arguments and pointing out some of the logical fallacies in the statements the prosecution was making. Yep. And just basically saying, you're making this argument at the wrong time. This argument doesn't make any sense. You're trying to say that there's no factual basis for the animal cruelty concerns Matt Johnson's trying to present to the jury, but you're yeah. arguing about the factual basis for it. So that's, you can't have, it's, yeah, it was, it was a very poor argument. Well, it's, it's, I think it's just another example of how it's so demoralizing to have to be on that side of things, whether, you know, on, on law enforcement, FBI, to be like this, you know, this, this assistant county attorney, Joseph Coro, you know, his normal duty is probably like drinking and driving charges, like things you can feel good about, you know, and then he gets this thing put in his lap and he's getting a lot of pressure from Iowa Select Farms and so on. And he has to bring this case that he does, you know, and so it's more, I mean, it's just like night and day difference in, in motivation of, 
our legal team versus yeah. the the uh, county attorney. See, yeah, it's like all these like terrible arguments. And, you know. and to be clear, I agree with that. I think it is demoralizing for a prosecutor to have to work on these sorts of cases. But I think it has nothing to do with the intrinsic facts or ethics of the situation, as much as I'd like to think mm. that's what's driving it. It's has everything to do this. with the media attention, yeah, the pressure, the quality this. of the legal opposition they're dealing with? Because I, I don't think... One of the things I realized, actually just a few weeks before trial, is the district attorney who was bringing this case, who's the main DA in all Your of Wright trial County. trial or Matt's trial? Matt's trial. He's only been a lawyer for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. He graduated from law school in like 2018. He's a baby lawyer. And he's older, so he went to law school late in life because I think he's older than me. He's like in his mid-40s, I think. And so I think he just realized on all fronts, I've never dealt with media like this. I've never dealt with legal firepower, the way we're having to deal with it. I've never dealt with the amount of physical mobilization, so many people in the courtroom. And he said on multiple occasions in emails and in hearings and the days that approaching trial that there's a convergence. There's a convergence of people coming to Iowa as if this is some sort of threat. I will say to his credit, because they they filed a motion that a lot of people didn't hear about this. They didn't file a motion. They made a request to the court and the judge for extra security to maintain safety in the courtroom. And initially we were thinking this is what prosecutors always say that the animal rights activists are dangerous, they're violent people, they're terrorists. But he actually conceded in open court that the main danger that justified extra security was not the danger posed by the animal rights activists, but that locals in the community would commit acts of violence against well, the animal rights yes. With trivia, I mean, to go back to that Facebook post when we were in Clarion, <laughs> yeah. when we were, they were talking about us going to trivia, I mean, there were definitely threats of violence, like very explicitly, like mm-hmm. we should show up and give them a, um, and I actually made a comment. These are all, you know, so it's funny when you break that fourth wall, we're all just watching and said like, hey, we're good people. I'm sure you're good people. If we meet up, it'll just be like any two groups of strangers running. So it's funny to think if they're looking for a fight, I was like, even if they come looking for that, they're totally going to back. Like I could just see these people all blustered up coming yeah. in. And that's kind of maybe what happened because there were some trivia group names that were like hippies smell like mm-hmm. screw animal activists or something yeah, like but they didn't game. actually have the whatever to face anybody but there it were was definitely actually cordial threats. i mean i was there on trivia night i thought people were friendly it's just it's one of these things that when you when you otherize someone you can fantasize about how evil and malicious they are they turn into something they're not and and especially oh. with our group because anyone who's a dxe activist especially is trained in nonviolence. We're, we're taught and it's such an important part of our culture and you know, notwithstanding the jokes we're telling about the prosecutor and law enforcement, I really do think it's steeped in our culture that we genuinely try to empathize with our adversaries. Like we try to understand. I, I I've said some things that are critical of Joseph Coro. At heart, I think he's probably a good person. And he actually showed this to me on a couple of Who's occasions. Joseph Coro? Joseph Coro was a prosecutor who was putting oh, trying to put Matt in prison. Yeah. yeah. This is a guy who went to law school, graduated from twenty eighteen, and suddenly has you know, probably the trial of the century, maybe the trial of all time in Wright County, Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Wright County, Iowa has like 11,000 people. They never had a trial like this in their lives. I mean, they had like one hotel or is it two hotels in the entire yeah. county? Two, yeah. And we filled up the entire one. I think we filled up one and already we're flowing into the next one. Yeah. And I, I'm well, sure there are going to be more people in this trial, trial than had ever been in any trial in the history of Wright yeah. County. I mean, I, And it's a new judge. You know, Derek Johnson had only been appointed to the court as a district court judge for a couple weeks. And before that, he had been an associate district court judge for like a year. So for everyone in this county, this is a very new experience. And and I think the idea that all these people coming into town were going to be scrutinizing what's unfolding in Wright County. I mean, you said at the beginning of this podcast, but I think it broke the system. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It is sad to think of like people feeling otherized on the other side. You know, so Rosenboom, Senator Rosenboom, is one of the easiest people to because he's not nice. Yeah, like we got to tell this story of him to yelling at Almira, like go back to Canada. Like I said, no, he's not a nice guy. I said, no. but like even him, I've thought to myself, if my car was broken down on the side of a highway, yeah, you know, he and, might help. and he didn't as long know, as he didn't recognize your face, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know, with Counterglow, I mean, there were. It's it's easy to, you know, with just the magnitude of the reaction Animal Ag had and how some of those were the less savory. It's easy to, you know, otherize institutions like Animal mm-hmm. Ag Alliance. Um, but like there somebody messaged me on Facebook or messaged Counterglow and said, you know, if you come to Oklahoma, you're gonna get our shock, you know. And I just said, No hate for Oklahoma no hate for farmers, no hate for Oklahomans, like peace sign. And that really like impacted he then he like wanted to have a conversation. It was just like and it, it makes me sad that that some people really are individuals who are feeling mm-hmm. shamed and hurt. Um, you know, so I, I feel like I'm pretty, pretty like strongly attached to the idea of not thinking that these are bad people. I think that's blaming the individual. And I think DXE agrees with it is really toxic to the, the bigger picture. Yeah. It's toxic to us too. It eats away at yourself. Yeah. You have that sort of resentment and bitterness towards others. It's a very Buddhist statement you just made. So, I'm glad you made it. But Matt, um, so the hearing happens on Friday. And, and the other thing that was argued in this hearing, we argued about the animal cruelty evidence because the, the prosecution had filed a motion to exclude evidence of animal cruelty. We had actually filed a motion, and this is something we learned from North Carolina, basically preempting them, getting the issues in front of the judge so we could frame it up in the way mm-hmm. we wanted it framed up because prosecutors do such a wonderful job of and, and partly because these cases are so unusual and it's for the average judge of any sort, but especially judge in rural Iowa or rural North Carolina, the idea that animal cruelty is at all related to a burglary case is just, it doesn't make any sense to them. Cause it, it, I think it just breaks their brain to think that someone would enter a farm to help an animal, especially a livestock cat mm-hmm. and even a dog or a cat. There was a story in the Utah Salt Lake city Tribune, the biggest newspaper in Utah about how, Livestock dogs are left out, basically they starve to death and they're shot by people and no one gives a shit because these are just livestock dogs. They're not pets. But in farm county, farm counties, especially these livestock animals where there's a sense that everyone has that all these animals are going to be slaughtered anyways. I mean, that's what they're there for. They're food. And they're just in a completely different conceptual Framework, grouping. Yeah. You're just not thinking about them as subjects of any sort of moral consideration. And so for a judge in a rural county like this, it's such an alien concept to think that this evidence, first of all, is relevant to anything, but secondly, is relevant to a case where the business itself has been burglarized. Mm-hmm. It feels like victim blaming. It's mm-hmm. like this weird twisting of a social justice concept. If you don't know what victim blaming is, it's the idea. It's usually used in the context of sexual assault or sexual misconduct cases where you say, oh, the woman was inviting it. You know, She got assault. It's her own fault because she was just dressing too sexy. You're blaming the victim from victimization. And it's a weird way in which in these rural counties, judges and prosecutors in the industry have, have turned that entire victim blaming dynamic into a tool to target the real victims, animals, and mm-hmm. the people who are trying to help them, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this poor little company, ISF, <laughs> poor little multi-billion dollar owner of ISF, Jeff Hansen, is getting harassed. Well, that was the ISF. explicit legal argument. Where was it that they made? Was Absolutely. that in Utah? You know, the exact well, same no, thing. Well, no, in Iowa, too. When they, they were, were trying both, yeah. to, yeah, when, when, so when they filed the motion, to um, to deny access to media coverage. Like, this is the, the hearing that we were going to argue. I was actually mm-hmm. prepared to argue this. 15 minutes before the argument, the judge ruled that all the charges would be dismissed. 
But you mean remember the affidavit they sent mm-hmm. where they were saying like these people are dangerous, they're threatening people, and media attention is just going to lead to someone getting hurt. Yeah, right. And it's just really, and, really, and, come on. And but was it in Utah? There was like an explicit car. I forget the language behind it. I mean, the Natasha Leonard story in the Intercept talks yeah, about. Yeah, so this. there's a story in Natasha Leonard and. The, that that doesn't have to do with media access. That has to do with right. gagging evidence, right? Yeah, but it's the, a similar subject. Yeah, so well, and, but they use that argument. They did use Utah, that argument. Right? Yeah. So in Utah, there's a statute that basically says, in court, you cannot bring up negative information about, about victim. a victim of sexual violence, right? But it's it's basically attacking case. her character. Only in the case of sexual only violence. Only in the case of sexual violence because it's so commonly used and because it's very prejudicial. People have prejudices against a loose women, you know? If, well, if you're sleeping around, you deserved it. You were asking for it, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. because there's good evidence that this is very prejudicial evidence and because it actually prevents real violent people from being held accountable. There's a law in Utah and some other states that protects victims of sexual violence from having to go through that ringer. Mm-hmm. And in Utah, the prosecutor is trying to use that same statute to protect a factory farm. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, right. I mean, because they're saying, oh, we're so vulnerable. We're, we're going to be you know, attacked by these animal rights actors. So violence, you have to yeah. protect us. You can't bring up anything negative about it us. It reminds in the me of the Ahmad Aubrey case where, you know, the, they, they said that there were too many black pastors in the courtroom. The defense's attorney yeah. were like, it's very threatening. That, and it's a public, you know, anyone can show up. But they yeah. were like, um, and also in that case, I remember there being. Yeah, because they had like, um, who showed up? It was like Jesse. Uh, yeah, Jesse, Jesse Jackson, Jackson, a few people. Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton showed up. It yeah. was just a nasty. I mean, luckily they were convicted, but just a nasty. And it was shut down by the judge. The judge laughed them out of the room and said, this is ridiculous. It was a nasty case, but they yeah. also tried to introduce. And I was really affected by this. The. You know, Ahmad, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm saying his name wrong or his first name. I think it's right. His, his mother was just had to leave the court. So when the defense was talking about him having long, dirty toenails, they literally brought up in their closing argument the idea yeah. that he had socks with no sandals and long, dirty tone. And she was just like had to leave because it was just like, I mean, adding insult to injury isn't yeah, even for sure. obviously. So I actually didn't realize it was illegal or I didn't I didn't realize that you were allowed in cases that aren't sexual assault to bring up irrelevant negative information. And we saw this with, I think with George Floyd too, the idea of people trying to drag in, you know, as a general matter, you're not allowed to, um, in the case of sexual assault and sexual violence, the argument is it relates to the fact at issue, namely whether this is a consensual interaction. And the idea behind it is like, if someone's a loose woman, it's more likely it was a consensual interaction than sexual assault. In the context of factory farms, I, I, there's not mm. even really, honestly, a very good argument mm-hmm. as to why this evidence should be excluded. It's just been excluded primarily. I, honestly, I just think it's prejudice against animal rights activists. I mm-hmm. think there's a, a defensive reaction in rural judges and prosecutors to anything that attacks the local industry, especially by outsiders. And one of the great things about this trial was that you know, they couldn't really attack you as an outsider. You were mm-hmm. born and raised in Cresco. What, three hours, two hours from Wright County? Yeah, two, yeah, you went to school like at, in northern Iowa University, which mm-hmm. was an hour, right? He's going to run county. for state senator. Could run yeah. for state senator <laughs> in that county? Who knows? Yeah. So it was harder for them to make the argument. And, yeah. But I don't think that's the reason we prevailed. I think the reason we prevailed was just because we had our shit in order. Yeah. You know, unlike in North Carolina, we, in North Carolina, we, were, we rested our hopes on just the good faith of the judge and just thought, this judge will figure it out and surely our basic fourth, fifth, and sixth amendment rights will prevail in that trial. And the judge will recognize, Hey, you know, before we put this guy in prison, he should at least get an opportunity to present a defense. Uh We were just resting our hopes in that. And 
there's there was a certain concern that if we raise our arguments too early, it would be giving our hand away and allowing the prosecution to see everything we were planning to do. Mm-hmm. So we thought, let's just bring it up spontaneously in trial. And that was a huge mistake. Because mm. I think the judge's prejudices were so strong that they ruled against us on day one and just kicked everything relevant that we needed to present our defense out. And in mm-hmm. Iowa, we presented it ahead of time, and the judge was very persuaded. Yeah. I could tell him hearing. So that was, I, I feel like we won almost every single motion up until trial. Yeah, the other right. motion they filed in the week before that people probably haven't heard, they tried to get me kicked out as, as Matt's attorney, too. Right there. Well, after they originally, yeah, before the <laughs> well, ca- they, North well, they, Carolina case, and then after And also. then afterwards, too, they were whispering because they were saying, this guy's a criminal. He can't be mm-hmm. allowed to be an attorney. Yep. And the judge was not having any of that either. Yep. So that like, I can have this criminal represent me if I want. Let me, <laughs> ma- let me live my life. Let me have my lawyer criminal yeah. represent me. That was pretty funny. I was wondering about, uh, about that. Like, yeah. I think this is a little bit tangential, but just to throw it out briefly, you know, I'm, there's a lot of problems with America, but one thing I have come to appreciate comparing, seeing how things have kind of gone down in the U S versus things going down with like, for instance, egg egg in Australia or Mm -hmm. things in the UK is it's made me appreciate there is truly an anti-authoritarian streak in our culture and an anti billionaire corporations. Like there is a, nobody likes, like obviously there's still a lot of whatever, but when you start to say something about, Jeff Hansen's being bullied because of just the way social mobility and this idea of elevating the the non-rich above the rich is part of the American tradition because of how we, you know, just the way things unfolded. I actually have more hope that eventually a jury will side with uh, side with the side of good in the U.S. versus cases in countries where the the values, you know, our free speech protections are a lot stronger than Australia's. Yeah, I had true. no idea that that was possible. I thought the whole Western world, you were innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. And then I learned like, wow, that's actually not the case. Yeah. I will say, I think there's there's some truth to that in terms of optics, mm-hmm. in terms of the reality of the situation. So for example, innocent until proven guilty. The United States has the highest incarceration rate of okay, any developed yes, country in the world. Yeah, no, and I, by a large margin. Absolutely. That and, was more just a... And income inequality too. I mean, yeah. I think I think there's we talk good talk of equality and and the idea that everybody, no matter what your background is, is a fair shot at making it. Absolutely and then we have one of the agree. highest levels of inequality in the Western absolutely world. Absolutely agree. Right? The you compare is... us to the Netherlands, Germany, Sweden, yeah. Italy. Frankly, even you compare us to a lot of despot despotic countries that are dictatorships, oh, and, and we're not doing as well. No, no, I wasn't in incarceration. saying America's so a great. I no, no, no. Saying, I think, but I think, I think an there American are, jury. So you know? I, I think that what 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 is absolutely correct, though, is that there are strands in our cultural traditions mm-hmm. that are very powerful for us to latch onto as activists mm-hmm. that may allow us to prevail. And I think will allow us to prevail eventually yeah, was, in, in a trial. And I think winning yeah. a trial is really important. That's Yeah, exactly. What Definitely not trying to say America is a great place. Just that the anti-billionaire thing is so pronounced that once you invoke yeah. corporations, nobody goes, what? I love big corporations. There's like a the pop the populism, right? Yeah. No, there's a there's a powerful populist streak in American history, and we've seen that in the Tea Party. You see that on Occupy Wall Street, and I think we'll see this for animal rights and environmentalism too. Yeah. So let, let's just finish the story. So the in the weeks before trial, I, I was already feeling pretty flustered and frustrated because not flustered, but frustrated because I was wasting a lot of time on these motions relating to whether I could be counsel, like I had to prepare an affidavit and a motion. And we actually had an, even an oral argument about the Pro Hoc Vici application where they were trying to deny me access, or I should say deny you access, deny me access to the courtroom, but deny you your representation of choice, mm-hmm. which is your constitutional right. You can choose whatever lawyers you want. 
And then we have this hearing relating to the ag-gag charge and animal cruelty evidence that I think goes quite well. Um, and then you get COVID. <laughs> yeah, <then that> <laughs> and I think I called we it. presented all of I our arguments. It. We presented all our arguments. Now they know how we're trying to get all this evidence in because we literally just filed the motion, just had the argument, and you get COVID. Um, At that point, did you think you were going to have the trial? I mean, what were you I thinking? I was, okay, so I'm, I'm scrambling to figure out, like, what are the emergency solutions? <laughs> like, how do you kick this thing as fast? All right, it's like, all right, Alex Jones. I've heard drinking just, your own just, pee. You just, went to uh, Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I was like, I was like, if you don't, one kidding, thing is like a, a fever well, seems, it's like unclear if it's like, if you just suffer it. through it, if that'll help yeah. you heal faster. So I had some miserable <laughs> nights. Let my fever just do and its he thing. he just kept testing positive. That was what was so frustrating. Even after the window mm-hmm. where we thought he was okay, he yeah. just tested positive when you, forever. When did you end up testing negative? Have you Has tested he, negative? <laughs> <laughs> uh, still positive? Right now? <laughs> well, yeah, they say you can keep... I, I don't... I actually... I You don't... You haven't had a negative There test. was a... Uh, there, there was one that I couldn't actually... T- it was... Looked like there was the faintest possible line you could ever see. Well, it was like getting progressively... Positive. In all, all right, so in anyways, all fairness, there's you can a shed COVID so anyway, for a long time. I'm, I'm, I am the main uh, super spreader. Wait, so you walking haven't had a negative test yet? No, that's correct. <laughs> but but it's with home tests. It's in oh, all fairness, well, yeah. you can shed it for a long time and still test. Oh yes, yeah, well CDC it, says you don't even. Yeah, CDC yeah, doesn't recommend days. having it. All right, all right, everybody's well, trying to five days blast me out there. As long as you don't have any symptoms or fever, and you don't have yeah. any symptoms or fever. Right, right. When did you feel better? Was it like a week? Because I left uh, early. And it I was, I mean, symptoms was done in, yeah, probably like four days, something like that. Um, it hit you pretty hard, though, huh? Well, it hit me hard if I wasn't, when I wasn't taking, or, you know, or not. Yeah, yeah I went through different on. points. Well, and then after, after trial was canceled, then it's like, okay, I can just, yeah. I don't have to suffer. So, um, you're, so you're scrambling, you're trying to do everything you can. I mean, did you, you did you even try to get like monoclonal antibodies? Or yeah. Anything? Oh, no, you I called. That was tried. not, yeah, that was impossible. Well, Why was he seemed possible? like annoyed that I that I asked. Uh, it was like you know, they, have, they have limited, su- limited supply, and it's like if you have like a if it's very serious or what do they call it? A so that's comorbid bullshit. or whatever. Like my dad worked for Eli Lilly, one of the companies that makes monoclonal antibodies, and I think I'm pretty sure monoclonal antibodies are being heavily underutilized. That there's too much supply of them. Maybe mm. something specific to Wright County was different. Mm. I almost wonder maybe they were denying you. I mean, they couldn't have denied you access to medical care based on the fact that you she were wouldn't even know. Yeah, they they is, wouldn't even know, right? I don't even think okay. she got my name um, yeah. that, on that call. Yeah. Okay, so this is we're scrambling at this point because Matt gets COVID, Adam's got COVID. I'm thinking, am I going to be the only person? Oh, Adam had COVID. I didn't know. Well, that. we, we thought. thought he had COVID, and we were going to see about we could do maybe like I'm not present during jury selections, and we could do something like um, I'm push the trial back a couple days possibly like we were kicking around these options but at the same time we didn't want to like go to the judge with it right away because literally what i'm telling adams i'm like you know if they're about they could be about to drop charges like that could happen and we don't want to like you know give them if i say oh i have covid then that'll give them their reason so so we waited a day or two or whatever it was on it and i'm glad we did because you know pretty much what it would have looked like is push all this shit back a couple more months and then they're dismissing it a few months later anyway so it's like so if they're gonna drop charges you might as well have them drop it now yeah it was it was definitely a mad scramble and for the record we didn't uh, we didn't hold it back in any way that was illegitimate because i i both i and adam told matt we got to go to the judge you know and we were planning actually on that hearing on tuesday to disclose to them that yeah matt has covid um but literally the day that that court opens again, which is Tuesday, because Monday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Everything yep. was closed anyways. And, and on Tuesday, I think the hearing yep. was scheduled. And 
Actually, the hearing was on Wednesday, wasn't it? I think I'm getting my dates wrong. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Oh exactly yeah, well, Wednesday was the day before trial. Yeah, the way. So well, but Tuesday is when we kind of like oh, got that's word right. that it was going to be Tuesday. Dismissed. Tuesday they canceled the hearing, and the dismissal happened on Wednesday. Right. That's right. So the hearing was on Tuesday. So we have a hearing in the afternoon, and I'm thinking to myself, the hearing Man, was on Wednesday. No, the hearing was on Tuesday. I'm sure about this. They canceled oh. the hearing and then they dismissed it on Wednesday. Matt, you were delusional and feverish. Just take yeah. Wayne's word for uh, it. Uh, I'm pretty sure about all right, this. All right. So we had a hearing scheduled on Tuesday, and this is the hearing related to media access because <laughs> the the company had filed uh, a motion with the judge or an opposition to expanded media access because mm-hmm. they were saying we've got witnesses from our company, they're going to be endangered and threatened. And one of the funniest things about their affidavit is they, they're trying to make us out to be terrorists and say these are violent people, aggressive people. And they even confronted Jen, what's her name? Jen Sorensen. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they were harassing and stalking Jen Sorensen. And the photo they use of the interaction is like sweet little Linda shaking Jen's hand. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, oh my God, this is so yeah. stupid. This is like what they got How can you after possibly us? believe your own bullshit? It's like <laughs> you're saying she's such a danger. And anyone who meets Linda, like Linda had an interaction with, with Ken mom. Rosenboom too. Soccer mom. She's, she's not just a soccer mom. She's like an innocent soccer mom. She's like mm. such a sweetheart. Yeah. She's, even her voice is so sweet. I, the way she looks, everything about her is so sweet. And, yeah. and, and the photo they use to try and justify to the judge that we cannot have media access is sweet old Linda just shaking Jen's Hilarious. Hand. Did you know that Linda and Sky were both reported to be me at different times yeah. in this? Which is hysterical <laughs> yeah. if you know what Linda they're, they're, and Sky They're all like. very confused. Yeah, I mean, Linda's like, Probably in her fifties, and Sky is maybe? what yeah. like nineteen years 19 old. Nineteen years old, so it's like fifteen <laughs> year difference between all of you. You all look completely different. You're different. Heights. Any woman with Matt Johnson yeah. is Kiki Doolittle. Yeah, that was the what we established. Yeah, if, if they were Asian, I'd say it's because they think all white people look the same. But I can't give them an excuse because they're all white. So they're of your. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Is that is that inappropriate? Is it? Oh boy. Is it bad to joke about? No, it's good to joke about white people. I joke about white people. Yes, I think white people jokes are the best. It's appropriate. All right, good. And I don't know anybody that actually finds them activating. Glad so we clarified. Go for it. Yeah. So if you were if you were activated by that, I'm sorry. They're like the best I will not thing. joke about white people again. They're one of my and favorite And I actually don't things. think white people all look the same. I can tell the difference between the two of you. When I look closely, <laughs> I can tell the difference between Kesey and Matt. No, but so it was just, it was such a stupid motion. And I think, honestly, I almost think part of the reason they dropped the case is because the prosecutor realized how stupid all their arguments were. Because yeah. every argument they were making, like trying to deny you access to me as an attorney, you know, trying to say they can't, we can't allow any evidence of animal cruelty in, although as absurd as that argument is, it did win in North Carolina. Yeah. And then trying to argue there's no media, media. allowed because well, scary old Linda is going <laughs> to harass people. So let's just cut. I just want to ask a question that I think hasn't been fully just directly. What do you think the chances are that we would have won, that we would have gotten a not guilty? Uh, I thought... Percentage. Yeah. So I, I went into this trial saying to Matt that I thought there was a, a one in three chance that we would get a dismissal or an acquittal. So... That well, was those a are very, very different. Those are different. Us. But I, I would say within that one third probability, it was about half half. I thought there was like a one six chance the case would be outright dismissed, which is what happened. And a one six chance we win either an acquittal or a hung jury. And then I thought there was a two third chance that Matt would be convicted of the burglary charge. And did you think that and if he was of convicted? Of the burglary. I thought, see, I thought no, you were about the to like caveat well, it. No, no, but even the study. So the study we did, and oh. we haven't talked about the study, we did a study with a few hundred people. So I, I know this social scientist and law professor at the University of Denver who did this study for us. The one that AP I'm trying to quoted think, is there any reason nemesis? I can't talk about this openly? I think I think I, I can talk about this. I mean, I, I given that we've talked to journalists about out. this. You can edit it out. If you too want late to. now. Everyone's going to hear it because I've already started talking yeah, about it. So like. it's out in the open now. But we have a, a social scientist who actually does these studies with us before trial. 
where he tries to get a representative pool of fake jurors, not from the county at issue, because that would be sure, potentially yeah. jury tampering. So we can't pull from the county. And we even anonymize the name. So like yeah. we did the study in North Carolina, it was Adam Shea. I think we actually did use Matt Johnson in your case, because Matt Johnson's just a common name. And <laughs> I, I don't remember why. And Iowa have to might ask, be a little more famous. Yeah. And I, I don't know, but it, it doesn't matter. But we, we typically anonymize the name. The facts aren't the same. But we basically present a mini trial to a few hundred people to try and get as much data as possible. Right. And it came back with a 75% acquittal rate for Matt on the burglary charge, which was pretty shocking to me. Um, but here's the key thing. In Iowa, partly because we did the sample at the very last minute, we couldn't get a pool that was as representative of Wright County as we wanted. And in particular, one big difference between the pool that we did the study on and the actual pool is there are twice as many liberals as conservatives in our jury pool for the study and it is reversed and actually even worse. I think it's like 80, 30. Wait, so what did the pool, what did the study in Wright County or what did the study? We didn't do didn't, a study in Wright County. We did a study Iowa, in, in Iowa. It showed a 75% oh, I thought acquittal you were rate. North Carolina. No, yeah. no, no way. It was that good in North Carolina. North Carolina was awful. <laughs> yeah. 75%, but only like 20 to 30%. But the key thing, the, the other mm -hmm. piece of this that I, that, that is important is the 75% acquittal rate was with liberals and conservatives combined. And the conservatives had half the acquittal rate of the liberals mm -hmm. and most of the people who are actually in our pool. So like when we looked at our pool, yeah. we knew that most of these people were conservative. So that 75% was still a dramatic overestimate of how Matt actually would have done. Granted, there were a lot of other variables at play yeah. because they're only seeing a 30 minute snippet. And also they're going to have to see like the full, at least if we had won the animal cruelty the motions, they would have had to see the full, awful, vivid reality of VSD and its brutal, I was going to say glory, but I should say nightmare. Horror and, show. And it's Matt's brutal term. horror show. Yeah. And, and the jury pool study is a 30-minute study, so they don't have a lot of time. And most people <clears> are probably tuning out. <throat> They're not even actually, especially like animal cruelty. Well, it's interesting, though. It's like, it is interesting. Yeah. I mean, but most people, you hear an animal scream, you turn it off. Like, that's people's oh, sure, natural that reaction. Part, so, yeah. And in, in trial... At least if we had won that motion. We were on a path to winning that motion. Mm -hmm. We were on a path to be able to play that video footage and that audio and 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 frankly confronting Jeff Hansen, the CEO. This is the thing that I was so I know, hopeful for. I know. Christmas you know, even more than Matt. Forever. I know Matt was thinking about this too, but I was the attorney who was slated to examine Jeff Hansen, the CEO, and that I fucking so wanted good. to play that audio and ask him questions about it. Oh, that would have been so good. It yeah. would have been so powerful. And it would have finally held this guy to account because he's been dodging questions. These powerful billionaires, is he a billionaire? Um, I don't think we have that tatted out. Yeah, okay. certainly multi-millionaire, hundreds, hundreds of millions. So these these hundred. I mean, what you're saying earlier about these billionaires and this populism in the United States. I think even a rural jury in Iowa seeing this billionaire or hundred million, rural whatever people it is, can be more populist and more. Absolutely, you, know, you look at January six. I mean, not that you know. Let's sure. Not go there, no, but I think even a jury in Wright County, Iowa, as Republican and as farm based as they were, seeing this ultra rich guy dodge questions and try and justify the agonized screams of thousands of animals who are being boiled alive would have been golden. And I don't mean golden just for the trial, I mean for the entire movement yeah, and absolutely. for the future of justice. People have been messaging me, congratulating, saying, Oh, I heard the charges got dropped. Congrats. Yeah. That's so wonderful. But and didn't I'm get like, to hold power to I'm account. like, To be yeah. honest, it's like for Matt, I think it's like Christmas is canceled forever. Yeah. No. Well, it's, it's, but it's not Christmas. It's like Christmas where you were going to go skydiving without a parachute <laughs> and it would have been really fun. It would have been a great so way to go out if you went out, but it would have been fucking terrible if you hit the ground. That and brings like, there was me a to good the chance other, that was like, going to happen. Here's the real second bottom line question that like, what do you think Matt? So that, that idea of acquittal, that was one sixth 
Uh, dismissal was one sixth. That still means the ma- two thirds of the time you were predicting. So confession. what do you think would have happened to our MJ as far as a sentence? Obviously, that's the question on everybody's mind. You know, I, I think he would have gotten a sentence. Um, I, I think it's hard to say for of sure. Course, of course. So so the way it works in Iowa actually is the judge doesn't even have discretion to to give him a Ooh. lesser sentence. He either has to give him the full sentence or nothing at all. But nothing at all, like pro, like no no time served, or literally probation. like okay, probation. just a suspended sentence. So, yeah. and that's what they I, offered I just, him. Yeah, I, I think that a a young judge who's just been appointed by Kim Reynolds. This is like a young guy. I mean, he's like my age. Smart guy. Doesn't want to rock. Good the judge, yeah. but this is a complete discretionary decision on his part. And I, and I told Matt this. I think you you have to get ready for going to prison. For oh, t- he was so ready. I got. I'm his legal I, support person. <laughs> I got his, they were You don't know him, if you're ready until you actually go They on. were asking, well, I mean, he yeah. thought he was ready. They were asking for his book, like, they were asking him for his book list so I could mail him. And I was like, Matt doesn't read books. I can print out, I was like, I can print out a Twitter feed and That's like, not true. He reads some books. intercept. No, he doesn't. He's in my writing circle. I've seen him read books. No, you haven't. Um, you haven't. Uh, no. Yeah, you you read part of Damon Santola's book. A little, you know, when I, maybe when a part of one several years ago. No, we've had, believe me, Wayne, I know him, you know him well. the person who makes Matt look good. I read, I read, I read. Well, I also give him a hard time which i think actually makes people see me as more credible right, fair enough but uh I, I no we, art, i skim a lot of articles i asked him if uh he i talked about yuval harris's say have you read sapiens by yuval i've harris? skimmed it In, well that's you know what he I accused me of doing it. i said i oh. talked about the book and he's like this is early we were just first talking and i thought he was a big dumb fuck boy as i told oh, him nice. and he said you read the whole book <laughs> and i was like yes oh, i read the whole book and Which I said, when's the last time you read a whole book? And he said, not for years. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> so. a comment that was animated by sexism and not oh. by the fact that it's like a thousand page book. Dang. Well, I mean, I We're think you're, you're so there. he was very, I mean, I was, oh, I mean, I, I, I was like all the way. Orange like, drops. I, I had to go the, down this tangent anyways about whether Matt reads books. I don't even remember how this started. Oh, well, the idea of, I'm saying he was like, people oh, were very prepared. he was ready because then they had a book list and you said, Matt doesn't read books. That's right. I mean, Matt's just going to stare at a wall for five minutes. It got really real. Like it got very like, okay, here's where you send the the mail like here's where you um and you know matt's been talking about going to prison since i met him and he once said to me um just as a aside matt loves to just drop things in as an aside that are like wait what (laughs) oh i actually have a purpose so like he said to me once like as someone who you know plans on probably spending a decade of their life in prison he just drops that in and i was like that's his his life plan but uh so my favorite anecdote this is right when we started dating i don't know matt and i weren't friends i don't know this person i'm like okay i jumped into this thing it's pretty serious pretty fast and is this wait we're we're, you're jumping into the thing but we're not friends yet i'm saying like (laughs) i didn't know you I hope so. I didn't, I'm saying I didn't have any experience with Matt before I got extremely involved with him. I didn't. Sure. So I'm in a, I'm in a car with actually with Priya uh-huh. and uh, Matt makes some comment. He's a co-founder about, of DXC. He yes. was also involved in some of the Iowa investigations, yes. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And a good friend of mine right now. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, she, Matt like made some. right now. I know. I'm just like, <laughs> I was like, at least backhanded couple. At yeah. the time of this she recording. Said, she's had friends with me right now. No, we'll be, at we'll any be point, friends. she can do anything that crosses me. She told we'll me we for, to no, we'll be friends forever. Friends We're going to have a long call later you need, tonight. You need to make a friendship bracelet we'll for see right how now. We've already shared to, blood. <laughs> we've already done the. Right, but I, don't, so, I don't know if I want to hear more of this So story, Matt makes a, you know, that's how we keep it. We keep it edgy here in this chapter of this part of this part of the table. Um, so Matt makes some comment about just wanting some dangerous, you know, just some kind of like very blowsy, like mm-hmm. comment about, 
And I was just like expressed some kind of concern. I didn't remember what the thing, it was so innocent comparatively to what's about to happen that I didn't even remember what the thing was. But I was like, oh, isn't that dangerous? And Priya says to me, hasn't Matt told you how he wants to go out? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, he thought about burning himself alive. Ah, and uh, I, I, and Matt just says, uh, yeah, some guy did it for climate change, but he got like no press and he shrugs. Sorry, dude. And it was like the idea that Matt seriously considered self-immolation, but stopped. He actually told me he asked you about it and you were like, I don't think that's a good idea, which <laughs> thank you for saying that. Um, I'm like, I like how you frightened my response to, it wasn't like, don't do that. It was like, well, I just, idea, I, you're, you're, you're not heavy handed in your the advice. Media I'm not these days is, is you tend to do not... a very lawyer thing where it's like, I can't tell you what to do. Perhaps. How about, how about this? I like that more than I like what you did with Fox news. Whoa. <laughs> oh, oh Hey, well, Fox, Fox, Fox business has been. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I agree with that. For the record, I'm kidding. The Fox news action was, you know, much better than I thought it would be. Better, than, that better than burning himself alive. Maybe not better net positive. Than burning that last Guardian alive. story. Not as much a disaster as I thought so it would be. So I was like, who am I dating? Like, I was literally like, what the fuck have I gotten into? Yeah. You know, not that I, I mean, I, yeah. But it was a, it was a moment just sitting there in Iowa in the car being like, huh. where am I? Like, So why didn't you leave immediately? Oh, I'm not saying it was like, oh, that's so, I'm not saying I judged it as like, oh, crazy. he's crazy or he's. Uh-huh terrible it was more just the extremity of like i am not in a normal life a normal world anymore and it's this is not a normal person and well, i stand I got by news that for you, matt Kisa. is not a normal person i got news for you matt is definitely not a normal person but here's the thing you might not like hearing and maybe you'll like hearing this neither are you oh i know busted, i know busted. no i've i've always known that um someday we'll tell Kesey's whole story but she has a very interesting people have story been too. my whole life telling me how weird i am and i can't believe you're not I weird found- you're just not normal Oh, I've, I believe I'm, I've been told I'm weird my whole life. And it's funny that I found the one, like Matt is truly the weirdest person I've ever met. Matt's pretty fucking weird. And I say that as, it's like I found the one person who is notably publicly weirder than, <laughs> than me. me. <laughs> you know, I'm the Good normal person in this. And that has not been the case in my past relationships. Yeah. Actually, can I, what, how was your family responding to all this, Matt, when you went home and you hung off everyone and they gave you COVID? By the way, did you figure out who gave you COVID? Have you still? Mm, no. Don't I know? mean, you I can't uh, go home and say you nearly time in a I was wondering about that. Two aisle Walmarts will do the trick. Uber oh, you drivers. don't think it was a family member? Uh, well, because so Trent got it like at the same time I did. Uh, Isn't that pretty obvious? Like, so it must but have been that, mean that he gave then. it to me. Like, I mean, unless if he you got were in the it, same Iowa Walmart. I mean, well, no, but I mean, it, I mean, it seems like we got it at the same time. So if one of us gave it to the other, who knows which is which or whatever. I don't know. think it came from Walmart because I think you need to be in the viral cloud longer than it, it's very. I think it's pretty unusual to get it from like a grocery store, or mm-hmm. restaurants, yes, bars, clubs, that sort of thing. So I'm guessing yeah, so it, it unless you were sitting in a bar for a long time. It was probably well. Matt has a lot of groupies. I mean, you know, he doesn't talk about this much, but uh, he's pretty famous on Facebook. So oh, who knows yeah. what he was getting up to? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I'm you kid- don't know who gave it to. I'm kidding about uh, that. No, I by mean, the way. yeah. I mean, I didn't think I haven't thought about it that much, but it probably would have been a family thing. Because uh, yeah, the only prolonged close contact, you know, thing would have been. How yeah. bad was it for you? You were getting fevers, and did you uh, have any? Yeah, I didn't think it that. was like. I mean, it wasn't that bad. It was like hard to sleep with the fever or left untreated. Uh, but it was, I don't know. It you know, you're, you're still the only person who's like in my direct social network who's gotten COVID. Oh, wow. I don't think I know anybody else has gotten COVID. I well, was, was going to ask I, if you I, I thought that was the vegan thing. 
Vegan yeah, you let us down. Wait, I, what happened? I had this talking I point. I know what's been misdiagnosed. I never get sick. Because veganism is... No, I, I, I think you're actually the only person I know who's gotten COVID. Well, Lewis had COVID. Lewis is... Yeah, okay, the, Lewis... Well, how did Cass, Lewis, Cassie didn't get COVID? Is that... No one else at the house got COVID. That's that amazing. House. But no, I, I think, think Lewis is the other person. But I was not in town. That was when I was in North Carolina. So I did, it wasn't available to me. Matt, you were hanging out with Matt. Yeah, I was like handing him stuff through the hotel room. I mean, not directly through the hotel room door. I'd leave stuff at his hotel room door and I'd leave. Not that I'm that concerned about COVID myself because I'm triple vaxxed. I got the Moderna mm. booster. And vegan. And I'm vegan and I'm young. So I, but you know, you don't want to give it to anyone else. And I've got a, I've got a elderly dad who's diabetic yeah. and actually pretty vulnerable. Do you so see I'm, him pretty often? I see him all the time. I love yeah. my dad. My dad's amazing. You know, you got to bring um, him on the podcast. He can talk about your, I can, I can interview you too. And he can talk about your childhood no, and share embarrassing it. stories. He'd hate it. He doesn't like this sort of thing. He's not, he's not super, I mean, we could do it in Chinese. You know, if you sure. want to listen to Chinese, but you want to he doesn't want to speak in English. Oh, my so dad still has, lots of did I tell you my dad's like Chinese. terrible experience of, of being a grad student and that one time where he got, I think I told you this story. So my dad was given, he, he, so he was like the number two student at the top university in Taiwan, which is super hard to get into and very competitive department chemistry. And he came to grad school at the University of Illinois, which is one of the best grad schools with chemistry in the nation, was fully funded. And his entire life, he wanted to be a professor, and he thought, like, oh, I'm finally going to make it. And not only am I going to make it, I'm going to make it in the real world, not just like Taiwan, which is this rinky-dink island that's poor and has no technology and everything's falling apart because of a civil war. But I'm going to America. I'm going to be, like, a real scientist and a real researcher. And he's given his job talk. And one of the key papers he's citing in his job talk is by a principal investigator whose name is F-O-C-K-E-R. Fire. Oh, boy. All right, so my dad... For for like weeks scam. is is giving this talk and everyone laughs and every time he says fucker he doesn't know how to pronounce it so he says fucker, and he doesn't understand what fuck means his English is terrible, and everyone breaks down in laughter and no one was like honest enough with him like he didn't have anyone close enough to him just come up to him and explain to him what was going on so he did it repeatedly and he was so humiliated he just gave up what? he said like I'm not gonna do I didn't something. think that was the way the story was gonna end I mean it's an understandable it's not that big a deal you know, know? it is because you're given a job talk it's super intense you've got all these brilliant scientists and like it, it just when, when you people break into laughter in an inappropriate moment and you're not sure why you, your ability to continue presenting and have coherent thoughts oh, I didn't just realize falls apart especially in a foreign language yeah that no he's saying fucker everyone's laughing and he doesn't know and why. he doesn't know what's going on yeah. and terrible. he just like can't form coherent thoughts anymore. I don't know how many times this happened. I think it might've only happened like twice, but it was like, you know what? I'm just going to go quietly into industry and find a job at some company. That's or at least tragic. this is roughly, I don't know. I have to go and talk to my dad about this because I'm probably getting some of the details wrong because he told me this yeah. a long time ago. But it's one of the reasons like from day one when I was born, my parents very much instilled in me, you're going to do what we couldn't do. Like you have to become a professor. And this I, is like why I was suicidal because yeah. I like my entire life, I thought this, my entire family, I'm the firstborn son of the firstborn son of the firstborn son and a family of academics. And like my secular. grandfather was like a pretty famous academic in China, like the dean of a famous university, I think Nanda or something like one of the top three universities in China. And so everybody in my life is counting on me to kind of, or this is the way I felt. Can I be real with you for a yeah. second and psychoanalyze you a little bit? Sure. Um, I know you, I know you're, you're I'm going to demand that. that you psychoanalyze me a lot, not a little bit. So give me the full I have a, treatment. so one thing that Matt and I once talked about was you not being a fan of uh, certain certain kinds of actions that he's done, for instance, sure. perhaps. Like the, Fox News. And uh, I said to Matt, this is actually over Christmas, and I said to Matt, and you know, I really appreciate you too, and I appreciate your differences. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, there's not one, and there are other people in DXC who I won't name who are a lot more uptight than, than Matt, right? A lot more conscientious <laughs> about 
how you, you know, you, you, you speak a certain way. You don't send emails after 10 PM, you know, you like, um, and I said to Matt, like, but you don't send emails after 10 PM. Well, I'm saying there's just some self-consciousness. Maybe maybe like emails to press or something to get the, yeah. yeah. Like to, you look like you're staying up. I mean, I'm the person that was up till, you know, 11 AM today, but like there's different levels of how much you value poise and how much Mm -hmm. you value and I almost wonder if it's also like being a, a person of color, like having to like, I've heard people describe this, like having to really be careful that you like don't give people anything to yeah. kind of diminish your credibility with. And especially, you know, having to fight, like I said to Matt, like, you know, Wayne is maybe more conservative. You know, you dress, you know, the way you dress, Matt obviously dresses like shit. Um, <laughs> you know, Matt's the one fucking around on the phone. Are you with saying the I dress well? That's so kind. I Is mean, you? you're wearing a button down. Matt's wearing the Aww. exact same outfit he's been wearing for probably the last six months. <laughs> this um, is a nice hoodie. <laughs> you know, so this is just our dynamic. People yeah. have to understand. Matt likes it. It's it's totally cool. I'm right. not being right. mean. Good. Or like if you am, he likes, him? he likes it. Okay. I am negging right. him, but right. he likes Nugging it. Him? All right. Negging. You know, it's a term oh. from pickup pick artist culture. I was going to say, if you threw it, okay. Did you, do you know the term negging? Yeah heard it i've read the, the book oh am i allowed to admit that i have read the book another i did think the book was awful another was, conversation yeah. i want to hear more about right, that well, yeah. but for the record so he I, at least said the book was awful <laughs> but so. he read it go ahead i skimmed what's it what's it called like s- no, circle yeah or? okay now he's actually oh, doesn't the, know what we're talking the about pow. i don't know i don't know can, can, can you tell us we've long forgotten explain it's like i have no idea like continue your story you don't have to explain so people can google neg and look it up in urban dictionary yeah, so uh, it's basically a way to make attractive women feel insecure about or themselves. Men? Well, mm. it's traditionally used to like, so if you come up to a hot girl in a bar and are like, wow, you look terrible. Like the idea is that like, or, you know, you just say something. Like I remember someone said to Priya at a bar once when I was with her, like your lips look fake. Huh. And then it's just like you're, for a lot of you're like on. It's weird. You're like, it is, but it's yeah. like, wow, he's such an alpha. Like he doesn't care what I think. And also maybe I want his approval. Like that's that's the strategy but anyway so which doesn't work for the record <laughs> well it's kind of I, I just don't can't imagine that actually works well i think you have to i don't know if you're the person who'd be the best uh, well if you're witness yeah. as to whether it works sometimes if or not your goal is like I feel like we're get, getting into dangerous territory if matt's gonna start if, talking if you're, if you're comfortable with podcast. like being obnoxious to a thousand people to get your desired result out of one of a thousand you know that type of shit you know it's like you put if you put everything else aside and you were just in dogged pursuit of the objective, which is ethically dubious, uh, we'll say, uh, you know, then maybe I think then maybe, you know, it's like, it's like, it's kind of like how, like, like, I mean, like a lot of guys just like sort of like attach to saying like, Oh, why do women like assholes? Which is kind of like a fill in for just like generally being confident. It's like, if you're a yeah. complete wallflower who blends in and never gets noticed ever, then no being an asshole might be a slight, might be like a slight upgrade just because sure. like you're noticeable and you're confident. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. at least asserting yourself as opposed to just like yeah. proceeding into the background. So what I, what Why I said to, talking about this anyway, well, Come I was, on, I was Wayne, saying something about the, the differences between you and how Matt, oh, you know, right. dresses okay. like shit and you tend to take a little more care with how you look and just mm-hmm. be more conscientious of, you know, I've just heard about the, the outlines you would write for your talks with journalists, you know, just like very professional, like, That's true. and I Matt will just be, bullshitting with people just like he sent elizabeth the harper's bazaar journalist when his face was really fucked matt had like a tooth infection and his face was apparently horrifically swollen so when i was in colorado and he sent her a picture of his fucked up face this like extremely prestigious journalist but she loved it she <laughs> she they so like matt's he's takes more risks but like 
my thing was like, there's a strength to both. And like I said, don't let Wayne, like you don't have to be Wayne, you know, like be you. Like Wayne. Oh, definitely don't be Wayne. No one should be Wayne. <laughs> but Wayne, you know, Wayne really should not be Wayne either, for the record. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It's thank like, you for giving that advice because I know, agree with it. My, I guess my. No, I, I take, see your point. Say. Yeah. No, everyone's. Like, there's, there's room. I mean, it, it's kind of like. Honestly, even the difference between direct action and more accommodating forms of activism, it's, it's not that only one works. It's that effective movements need them both. You know, and the problem with the animal rights movement and the environmental movement, and frankly, a lot of social justice movements over the last 20 years, ever since, I'm going to use a $20 word, but neoliberalism, neoliberalism, neoliberalism became ascendant, is that no one was using direct action at all. Like, there has to be somebody who's confronting the system and not just people who think, oh, we're going to work within it and move the peanut forward one centimeter at a time and hope someday we solve climate change. There has to be someone who just speaks truth to power. And... And the same is true across a lot of different domains in terms of risk-taking behavior, in terms of preparation. I mean, there's there's room and movements for all sorts of different dispositions, and movements have to be open. And different people have different levels of privilege. Like, obviously, Matt has exceptional privilege to push boundaries and to kind of get away with the boys will be boys thing. Yeah. Um, Well, somebody in in part of the movement ecology, you have to have people who create content for like HSUS and ALDF to, to, to send up fundraising emails and, and DXC has <laughs> done them a great service in that regard. So, you know, it's all just Ooh, part of a cohesive, yeah. part of like a cohesive, broader framework to the movement. I so hope we can so I'm, actually, I'm happy to contribute. That. I'm actually going to be reaching out to ALDF very soon about this, but the Animal Legal Defense Fund has circulated media about <sighs> investigations DXC has done and its own they have a billboard for fundraising. They have a billboard implying they were responsible for VSD, the VSD investigation. They were like whistleblowers. Whistleblowers, and they they just and I don't want to shit talk ALDF too much because we've already already shit talked them a lot with Justin Marceau, but I also gave them some credit. I'm glad that was covered. Justin Marceau, for the record, works with ALDF and has been a litigator for ALDF, so he's not someone who's just saying this. Yeah, typical movement tribalism because he's tried to support them as much as possible. But it is a problem when large NGOs try to take credit from grassroots movements for a couple reasons but the most important reason frankly is it is it it takes the fuel out of the sales of the campaign yeah. right when when the people who've taken all the risks when the people who've worked so hard mm-hmm. to achieve something are not even not acknowledged but are disposed of in this case literally possibly thrown away into prison as a result of the large NGOs, or at least partly as a result of the large NGOs completely abandoning the grassroots yeah the moment things get a little hairy, then the movement can't continue because literally the physical people who were doing the work are now incapacitated. So that is a huge problem to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is a moral grievance I had of a large, well, large, we, large I just want to throw in a caveat about ALDF. And I, I know you know this, but just for this everyone listening. This is the listening. Animal Legal Defense Fund, which again, oh, does a lot of tremendous work. And in other instances, for example, in the AGAG case involving Amy Meyer in Utah, they're one of the few NGOs that stood up for the grassroots. Yeah. But in the context of VSD, they have been an abject failure. And, and, I, and I, I say this to... on this podcast only because I am also going to say this. In fact, I'll make sure I say this to them yeah. before this podcast podcast comes out. Because I think yeah. for integrity reasons, you should never call someone out publicly until you've given them the chance to talk about it directly and privately. Yeah. And, and I will even make a mea culpa at the end of this podcast if I reach out to them 
and they satisfy my concerns about them co-opting the grassroots. Well, we- I just want to throw out real quick for anyone listening. This is a problem with any kind of large nonprofit. I just want to clarify. I know oh, you know yeah. this, that this is not about the ALDF. This is fundamentally baked into the structure of large nonprofits with high budgets. Yeah. So just, it's not about well, ALDF it, in particular. You no, know, and it, it's not. And, and to me, it'd be one thing if there was like a conversation and then it's like, hey, you know, if, you know, it's like you fundraising is, is a valid thing to be thinking about. And like, maybe you don't want to like t- mention DXE and you know, that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, we like got brushed off pretty summarily by ALDF, like in particular, even specifically, like I saw, like Elmira emailed them and I don't know, maybe I should get too much into like the who and the what, but basically it was like, Hey, like there's this trial coming up, like could go to prison, yada, yada. And like, I know it's so gross. Yeah, I was, so, when I be... saw that email oh, you did that Elmira yeah. sent, yeah, she's yeah. forwarded to me. Yeah, I was furious. I mean, to say I we was don't want to be associated with you. Furious about it because to me, this is a person who's risked their freedom. This is someone who worked with an employee who risked his freedom, and you're going to come out and support the people who risked their freedom. Yeah, to do the work that you use to fundraise off of. That's yeah. not okay to me. Right. Yeah. It's, and and, it's I, and I'm okay with saying that publicly because this is a very large and powerful organization. Yeah. That that needs to be held to account. And because, like I said, I'm going to email them directly and try and schedule a meeting about this. But you know, people if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, which, I mean, I think a meeting will happen. Mm-hmm. Whether we reach some resolution on this, I don't know. And, and honestly, I want to be humble enough. And you know, part of the reason for this podcast is I want us to be open to other people's perspectives. Yep. That there's something about this situation that I'm just not quite getting yeah. that explains and justifies their it, conduct. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> and, and, and again, it, it comes back to one of these issues I was saying at the start of this podcast, which is if there were some good explanation then they would be more straightforward about it and they would not yeah, be I mean, yeah. it feels... ghosting us and, 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 and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, trying to pretend something's not happening. Cause if, if you have a good and legitimate explanation, this is why I always say like one of the great things about the work we've done over the last 10 years, including our mistakes is we have been very open about our mistakes and I relish. So like when I've been disrupted <laughs> in my talks about some mistake or misconduct oh, happened DXC, is I relish epic. it. I'm mm-hmm. seriously like mm-hmm. Matt knows this more than anybody because he knows I look forward to it because I want the chance not only to explain my perspective, but to be held to account. Yeah. And that's the only way you get better is if you're open to that. And in this case, they're not willing to do that. If, if you're get- not open to that conversation, you're not actually probably doing the right thing. I want to get personal for a second again, because, um, you know, honestly, like there's obviously we're talking about this broad stroke DXE thing, but there's also a lot of, you know, hatred of, of you, of people that don't know Enormous you. Enormous amount of hatred. I know you, I know you know that, yeah. but I know even people on the podcast, I was actually making a mental joke to myself about thinking about your dating future and like how your Tinder profile could just say, Google me. Actually, <laughs> no, wait, don't Google me. <laughs> Isn't that so painfully true? It is true. Um, but you know, that'd be I a mean, nice recipe for never getting a date. I've uh, no, it's funny. The best thing if you you're can thinking do on, about dating me, for the record, don't Google me. The best thing you can do on Tinder is be funny. Yeah. But um, so like I've never been on Tinder. I wouldn't know. Even people, people have even said to me, and I mm-hmm. when I say people, I don't mean people on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I had a very influential member of the movement who is a fan of DXE. Who yeah. Say to me, but people like basically imply like, well, you're you're DXE, so no, like basically nobody's gonna wanna. And I was like, well, we're not. We're a separate. And they were like. But as long as you're associated with DXE in people's minds, like yeah. people are, and that's, so even like, you know, knowing you as a person and supporting you, like I've had people like there's, I'm not saying, oh, I'm a victim of this. I'm just saying it is frustrating for me to be in a situation where like, I know you, mm-hmm. these people don't know you at all, but I've had people just 
completely like I you know you don't have any credibility with some people if you're even willing to not disavow DXC or you personally yeah. and I, I spoke to somebody again somebody in the movement who has some kind of platform about frankly about you about this issue they sure. were elevating some stuff that I I didn't think was fair and I said like do you actually know like have you ever read Wayne's statement about this like have you mm -hmm. ever actually and he said no he hadn't hmm. and I was like how did how would you feel people were going around trying to elevate a story and they had never even been willing to listen to your perspective. And he said, like, honestly, like, yeah, that wouldn't feel good. Hmm. But it's it's very, I know it's more frustrating for you and for DXC, but even like for me, it's like, yeah, as long as like the fact that I'm on this, you know, there are people that might think I'm cool, that people that might follow Counterglow on Facebook that like, you know, once you associate yourself with DXC, it's just, you know, you're, you're in the cult. That's their favorite, their favorite thing. And if I defend you at all, mm -hmm. even just saying like something factual, like I just approached this person in the movement who was using their platform with a factual correction, mm -hmm. like a factual, that was enough mm -hmm. to be like, you're in, you're in the cult, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of, I guess for anybody listening, I, I have a lot of sympathy for Wayne and Wayne is a, oh, a great you. dude. And, 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 I, and I think they're, you know, a less overt version of that happens too. <clears throat> I mean, frankly, I think that's, that's like, you look at like the ALDF, you know, it's like, it's like, if I might go to, might be about to go to prison for eight years off this, can we like, like no conversation. It's like, that's how you treat somebody where it's like, uh, so that, uh, that person actually that I was speaking to, who's a leader in the movement, another group actually said like, they didn't like you either. Cause mm. you know, of course you're Wayne's right hand man, according to you're your own man now. Um, oh, if I, I they did say I, that like if Matt goes to I? prison, my organization will support him because even if I despise him personally, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Like, do they say like did, they, what, that? I kind don't of remember the exact words, but but yeah, it was very. You frank. don't have to give away who the person is, obviously. You shouldn't if you're I'm not, not entitled yeah. to. But what were what were the concerns? Just out of curiosity, was it like the sexual harassment stuff? Yeah, it was. Well. The, the thing that they were talking about that I messaged them about was the leaf was the, the leafy, the leafy greens thing. thing. They yeah. were misreporting the person's age. Yeah. And when I confronted them about that, they actually knew the correct. I was like, she was 17. They were like, Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like, well yeah. then why did you say like, why did you say the wrong, you know? Yeah. Cause I think this person's a good, but so like their, their complaints are. Yeah. And it's just yeah. almost everybody who's, written about that or attacked me for that has not actually read the correspondence. That yeah. was my point. And when they read the actual correspondence, they're like, wait, this is what is constituted sexual harassment. Oh my God. They don't know. They don't know. Like, no, literally like, everybody I've talked, and I'm not saying that it was an okay email, email again, for the record. Yeah. To forward it to that, her. That's like, yeah, hey, the only reason. Blast you. Okay, that email you is the sweetest, yeah, so the reason, most innocent The reason thing. I, that anyone even has access to that email is because I voluntarily published it. Because she, because she you said recently, she said like recently. I had this experience with you in 2007, I think it was, that was negative, and I would like to share it with the world. Can you send me the correspondence about this? And I said, sure. That's Honestly, literally what I did. That email makes you look better and than that any was defense in, like, of yourself ever could. That. that was in 2019, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I just want to pull this out for this podcast for everybody to like understand what I'm talking about. So, whatever the supposedly this really racy, salacious email person who is going to call Wayne out pretty clearly contacts Wayne and says, Hey, I don't have this email, but I remember that it happened. It's been deleted. Hey Wayne, I want to call you out publicly. And she asked for the email and Wayne voluntarily, this isn't a court order or any sort of duress or anything other than her asking Wayne hands over this email of 
whatever you want to make of it, <clears throat> uh, you know, voluntarily being transparent. I mean, I mean, who would even, especially if you thought you had something to hide, who would do that? Um, you know, and then you know, make of it what you will with the, you know, for, for my money, I would say, uh, you know, awkward interaction, uh, you know, just like a socially sweet. awkward type of thing. What'd you say? I think, I think it was sweet. I should probably shut up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, whatever you want to call it, let's just like, this is, I should probably not. decidedly non monstrous behavior. <laughs> well, it, it, it was, it was in my view an inappropriate email. I've said this before and, and I did apologize to her. I didn't even remember sending the email, but she asked me about it initially, and I said, I don't remember that. And I, and I looked through my email when she asked me about it, and I said, oh, I did send you an email, and here it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew she – so this is somebody who I had been friends with for a long time and had supported, including serving as pro bono counsel for her in many cases when she had basically had sexual harassment situations at many different employers. And I'd done this for years in the movement. Like, and, and what are the – one of the hardest things about this for me is, like, there was a time in the movement back in – the mid 2000s to like the mid 2010s when there were many powerful people who were, who had, who had sexually assaulted people. And I, as a lawyer was one of the very few people who was willing to do anything. And I got destroyed for it. Like there was a leader at mercy for animals who I think there were credible allegations of sexual assault against and who had sued one of the women who accused him of sexual assault. And everyone was distancing themselves, all the different groups that now many of whom are now, known as like these white knights for coming in and supporting feminism and women who are victims of sexual violence. At the time, they had all written me off more actively trying to destroy me for trying to support a woman and not even for trying to bring this person down, just for defending a woman who is being sued for defamation for accusing someone of sexual assault. Like this happened for years. And, like, and, and I did this only after I had done exhaustive investigation and knew that he probably had done it. And among other things, I had talked to the person, well, this is actually a couple years later, but I had confronted the person directly and felt that he was not being straightforward with me. I looked through the legal filings and found them to be dishonest. As a lawyer, I knew what the legal filings mean and could go through the minutiae as to why some of the legal filings were dishonest, but some of them were clearly manipulative and dishonest filings. And so this is a defamation lawsuit filed by a very powerful person against a woman who had no power at all. And for representing her, I was ostracized by all the big animal rights causes. But this was long before me too. And I'm not trying to say like I'm some sort of hero. I'm not. Like I was just someone who was in a privileged situation. I was working in a large law firm that had a pro bono practice and I was able to help her for a short period of time. And then actually my firm kicked me off the case because they said, you're not allowed to go to Philly. Like you're, it's going to be too expensive. You can't take this much time. But I did find her another lawyer at a large law firm who's going to represent her pro bono. And I just think that the movement is so backwards on these things. Like the, the situations where sexual assault and sexual harassment are happening are generally, especially when it's actually someone legitimately powerless are not being addressed. And the situations that are being addressed just happen to be the ones that for whatever reason, they go viral on social media. The most frustrating criticism I hear of DXC, like, you know, because whatever, like I understand that some criticisms, maybe they came, maybe they started with a valid experience someone had at some point. But the thing people love to say is that DXC has a culture of sexual harassment and protecting rapists. And I can say that when I came into DXC, I was actually almost disappointed with how... (laughs) How de-sexed. No fun. Like how just completely like just the climate of like none of us have genitals. Like it's it's just like the level of buttoned up. Like I'm pretty like I make jokes like I'm pretty. I realized very quickly that if I'm in a context of DXC, I can't I can't talk. I can't talk about sex. I can't make a joke. It's like everyone gets extremely uncomfortable if you even (laughs) allude to the existence of sex. So I'm like, 
Well, you that's people, not healthy either. I mean, well, so I, I, that, I don't know. That, 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 that seems cult. I'm just I mean, saying you're, it's either a sex cult or an actual cult. There's I'm just no space that in between. That criticism, considering the level of, yeah. you can see if I'm clenching my hands with like fear, the level of like propriety around like, dear God, like nobody touch, like nobody say anything to anybody ever because they've been through so much trauma around that. Yeah. That I'm like, that is the farthest criticism that I well, can imagine from the truth. So, I mean, what, if, if you think about, you know, kind of like i mean which this is plenty self-congratulatory for dxe but if your motivation is coming from the place where it should be coming from then you're willing to kind of be the doormat of the animal rights movement you're willing to take a hit you know whatever it's like if it what's going to serve the long term what's going to serve the movement you know whatever whether it's you know personal attacks or you know whatever that path may lead to versus you know yeah if, if you're kind of doing some political calculations and you're trying to figure out like how to protect your people or your, you know, your whatever, if you're just more willing to do the more seedy things, um, you know, then you're going to like that kind of is how this stuff plays out in the real world is that. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm following that. Can you explain that? Uh, I'm saying, I mean, it's like, you know, if you're, uh, you know, this organization and you have to protect the organizational image and there's a defamation suit filed against, a woman in a credible mm. instance, you know, it's like you're willing to kind of go there versus like if you do have some grounding principles that are, yeah. you know, more more what those grounding principles ought to be, uh, then you're going to kind of get, you know, the, this is kind of predictable. Because, I, I yeah, think, because you're open to it and because you're, yeah. And I want to introduce <laughs> again the idea of it being a structural issue with the the nature of different kinds of nonprofits and organizations, because yeah. frankly, if someone's just listening to Matt say this, it can sound like we're just saying those people are all just unprincipled people. Like it just mm-hmm. happens to be that, but having worked in nonprofits my whole career before I transitioned to animal rights and you know, you guys know this very well, like there is, there are just incentive structures within nonprofits that they have such high budgets. Like they have to consider like they, they're, they're, the necessity of them to like please their donors and to not ruffle feathers, like because they have to make, as opposed to DXE's budget, which is what a couple million dollars a year or something. Yeah. I mean, like in some cases, hundreds of tens of millions of dollars. Oh yeah. Like you can, you cannot afford to take certain risks and it's just built into the bloat of these nonprofits. I mean, environmental working group, I'll just say it cause they're not listening at this point. I had a call with a, I'm, debating whether to say the second uh it's it's a fa- an anti-factory farming group that you guys probably all know mm-hmm. an environmental working group at the beginning of this when i started making the counterglow map and uh they they basically said an ewg put out a map of they did something like this with iowa but they said you know we'd like to do they this. put out a map like counterglow basically not as com- out. they just used the just states. in north carolina right um they did north carolina and then i think they did iowa but they just used okay. the state's data i believe but still, great that they did that. But they said of what we were doing, this is me. I was not getting paid. This is a group of, you know, eight people who are not getting paid. They said, we want to do that, but we just don't have the funds. Hmm. EWG has a budget of $13 million a year. Yeah. We had a budget of $0 a year. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. other group, who's a lot smaller, they offered me money. Like mm-hmm. they said, we got 20K to do this but we weren't able to get any traction. Mm-hmm. Like, so they had got 20 K and they hadn't even been able to get off the ground with it. So they said, can we, can we give you, you know, 
whatever, and then you give us the... 10K to put their name on it. Yeah, yeah. And they were very explicit. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying this is how, yeah, the, how this is how the sausage is made. Yeah. I was like, well, how would we partner? They're talking about partnership. And I was like, I'm thinking, I'm naive at this point, just in this context. And I'm like, oh, well, what could we partner on? And I, I realized it's very like, quickly... Well, I'll, I'll open up my email. I'll hit compose. <laughs> I'll attach our logo. I'll send it to you. What they meant and it was... And shows uh, up on your website. You know, like hey we we gotta show the donor like hey this is fun like financially smart of us to give you some money to do this because we can turn it around and but it's it's not Mm -hmm. that the people because i'm just saying matt it can make it sound like you know if you have principles then you don't do this stuff these are good these are good people they all want the same it's like an organization they're not making as much as they would in the private sector like they want the same thing we do but their incentives are different yeah i mean dxc you know yeah, it's it's just hard to capture and hold on to and maintain the kind of culture that is, you know, it is just such a blessing that we, because I won't say 0% influenced by sort of those kind of impressing donors and that sort of thing, but not much. Uh, and nobody's getting paid, which, <laughs> you know, hardly. I mean, nobody's getting paid market value for their labor, which, you know, there's pros and cons to that, but, uh, you know. I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm on the pro side overall. I'm on the con side of that one, but on the con do, do, side, like like a full market value should get paid. Well, isn't that happening? I mean, people are going to well, get paid. I, no, I, I don't believe not in market, market value. value. So, oh, sure. well, whatever you want to. I, I mean, saying. what do you mean? I, I believe that people should be paid what they need to get paid. Yeah. yeah. So depending I mean, on what their kind needs of are, that so if, if if somebody has a child, if they have mm-hmm. an animal in their life that they need cared for, or frankly, even if they just need a nicer space, like. I, in many ways, I think it's a privilege that I don't give a shit about where we're living environments. I mean, I live, I pay $200 a month in rent in Berkeley, which Wayne is going to be shocking. Wayne sleeps on the floor sleep at on the Matt's floor, house, by the way. In living room. Wayne insists upon sleeping on the floor. Um, huh? Wayne insists but, upon sleeping on the well, floor. Well, I prefer it. I mean, I like being in a public place because it makes me more accountable. But that, that's, in many ways, because I'm just weird. I mean, I know that I'm just... For a lot of people, you need a private space because it's embarrassing if you're changing in front of other people and stuff like that. I mean, I'm changing in so front Matt, of other... So, Matt, has that, has that yeah. happened? I mean, Is Wayne just... in good shape, too? You already implied that he sees you walking <laughs> around in your underwear. No, I, I, there's two guys that live with me. They don't give a shit. And I've gotten their consent, for the record. I'm not changing in front of them without their consent or anything like that. Both Sanjeev even Matt are I think, totally fine with me, you know, taking my shirt off or something like that. But it's it's because of the unique set of circumstances that I've been through that has allowed me to feel comfortable in that environment. And someone might need a private space and that's fine. Like we should support them because in the long term, the, the biggest loss of the movement isn't the money we're going to pay someone, but the, the idea that somebody could get burned out and, and lost. And I actually had a yeah. really tough no. conversation with somebody else today about mm. someone else who might be leaving the movement. It made me really sad that, you know, mm. these crucial people who've invested so much in this movement. Was it because of financial Concerns. I think that might have been part of it. I don't want to say too much more because it's it's sure, it's, sure. it's just no, something I learned today. That would and it's be related this to what certain you're... this own person, this person's own situation, but it's it's a tough one. Um, yeah, no, but I, I mean, think that's that's like a more fi- finer. I mean, that'll make sense. What, I, but I will a say a finer about, point about the culture. Yeah, and of... but I want to say some one thing about the, the the point that led you there, which is that what Kesey was saying about how the the structure of a modern nonprofit is that they're so dependent on fundraising. Mm-hmm. That they they have to do the non unprincipled thing, the thing that's convenient. And I, I will say one thing that is changing about the media market and about fundraising the too. The media market? Yeah, the media market as a whole is that, and it's ironically, I think, partly due to distrust, that that strategy is no longer working. And that's why, I mean, frankly, podcasts like this are doing a lot better. You know, I, 
Matt has actually been encouraging me to do something like this for a while. Just get out there and be open with people about everything. And, and actually, one of the things we were thinking about doing in the mayoral campaign that ended up getting torpedoed because other staff members were not super excited about this was having a live stream camera like 24-7 in our office, which was also where I was sleeping at the time. Was I sleeping? Actually, I wasn't sleeping in the office at the time. Oh, you me. offered to open your, show them your checking account. Checking that, I mean, account, yeah, that, everything. That one, I mean. Personal checking <laughs> account, too. Just send my account information, open it to everyone. He's not doing and anything think, with that money that, yeah, I you think, know, I, I think no that Tinder gold subscription. It still is the case that it is in the short term in a nonprofit's best interest to play these games and pretend to be some feminist organization when you're not or to take advantage of someone else's investigation when you haven't actually done any of the work. In the long term, I think that is a losing strategy because mm-hmm. podcasts like this come out. You have to have those hard conversations with your donors about, wait a minute, you hadn't done anything with VSD and you're fundraising off of this? And especially in a climate where there's so much distrust already, that can be fatal very quickly. Can and I get- and that's why I think the, the winning strategy, even if you only cared about winning strategies and you didn't care about ethics or at all, run, yeah. is to be open, honest, and transparent about everything. Can you I... should be as honest as possible about everything. Anyways, we've been talking for a long time. I think we should wrap up, but I, I do have at least one last question I'm going to leave with both of you, but, but especially for you in the context of the criminal case that just unfolded. What's next? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am question. trying to figure that out. Uh, and I'm trying to, uh, you know, there's a lot to kind of consider. I mean, I'm, you know, trying to, you know, of course, be above it all and uh, principled and looking at efficacy in a non-biased perspective, which you know, is a nice ideal to hold out there um, with, of course, personal biases towards mischief or whatever my personal biases are. Um it does tend to make sense, you know, today's media climate and so on being as fickle as it is and particularly fickle towards farmed animal suffering, that if you have sort of personal brands, which sounds very narcissistic to say, but it is what it is, like people sort of like have individual people that they know, that they follow, and then sort of like the more you invest in this individual, myself in this category, in this instance, you know, the more it kind of makes sense to keep investing in that individual and the more you have a favorable narrative generally, even beyond just like the personal narrative, like we have in Iowa, kind of makes sense to keep kind of like, you know, going into that where people have like this developing story, ventilation shutdown and ag gag and the FBI and all their stuff. So um, anyway, my I guess that's the long roundabout way of saying that it kind of seems like from a communications perspective and from a legal perspective to kind of sort of keep working in this narrative somewhere. But um, overall, I'm not kind of married to any, you know, or try not to be too married to any particular thing. Uh, The press work that I'm, you know, on paper is like supposed to be my full time kind of role job if I'm not getting sucked into other opportunities um, is is valuable work that needs to get done. And there's, you know, and and being in core leadership we'll see if i'm still in core leadership uh got elections coming up here but uh assuming i'm still in that role i mean i think are you you running uh i'm gonna run yeah (laughs) i'm i'm uh i'm trying i I, uh you know certainly in principle want to i mean i would love to see a scenario where i didn't feel like it was uh you know where there was like a lot of people who i think that there wouldn't be uh uh, drop off for any, you know, or meaningful drop off if I wasn't there. I think as it is right now, it's, um, we have a lot of people who are super passionate and DXE obviously have a really supportive community. I think like the specific 
um, you know, actually like the very specific personality type. I think that kind of when you were on core and you were lead organizer and then you stepped back in fall of 2019 and then I ran in 2020, largely kind of thinking I'm filling this wing shaped hole in core, uh, Roughly speaking, as somebody who's going to kind of push the envelope in every direction and is going to jump on wild opportunities and, you know, that that sort of thing, I think is very crucial, Uh, just a spirit of innovation and calculated risk and, you know, to some extent, fearlessness. Like, I think there's just something that you brought to the table that I bring to the table that's pretty crucial and you kind of need to have that perspective among leadership. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, willing the democratic will of the chapter, uh, core leadership would be a thing I would stick with probably the, the press work that I've been doing with DXC. I mean, we've got a lot of people that are helping out and so on, but I don't see like somebody that's going to like imminently fill that, that role. Um, and kind of, yeah, keeping a, you know, I guess we don't want to tip our hand too much here, but you know, something to kind of keep this, this, uh, sort of campaign in Iowa, Iowa select farms and like the personal brand kind of thing going on in Iowa too. So yeah, I don't know. Hodgepodge of kind of all of the above. A lot to have separate conversations about this, but I have mm-hmm. deep misgivings about the, and I know you're just using terminology, but I don't think it's all terminology. This idea of a personal brand and influencers, mm-hmm. I, Oh my gosh, it's Flash. A dog just walked in the room. Well, I, it's, it's not even moral misgivings. It, it has to do with the Duncan Watts literature. And what's the, Can you say what you mean by in that? In a nutshell, I think that the, the focus on influencers and personal brands has been destructive for movements. I not that you used to be... Used to think this sure, but no, 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 no. let me, let me finish Duncan my Watts thought. Research, okay. yeah. the, the short version of this, it's not that there isn't leadership and there shouldn't be some folks who are influential. It's that the, the mechanism through which their influence can actually have positive impacts on movements is by creating networks around them, right? So, so this is part of the project that I'm involved in with the Simple Heart blog, which is I'm trying to create a blog so people don't just read it, they discuss it within their communities. Well, so you, and so it's like, so... Developing a personal brand and doing the right things with it. Sure, Which yeah. most are not. Very yeah, few which are. I think most social media influencers, for example... I agree with are, that. Are just trying to create more influence and more followers for themselves and rack up right. more advertising. When the goal really should be not really about your personal brand, but how do you harness a communications framework, which may require an identifiable mm-hmm. you know, leader to mobilize and support a network of people who I- interact with each other. So it's the difference between the hub and spoke model, where there's like one person and lots of connections to that one hub, and a web model, mm-hmm. where there might still be a dense center of that web, but if the web is not just connected to the hub, but there's interconnections between all the people who are connected to the hub, mm-hmm. then you have more powerful. But anyways, this is a subject for another conversation. Yeah, but I think been talking way too long. Still fundamentally of like establishing you like make a million people watch Green Pill podcast or whatever. Like still would, but then get those million people to talk to each other, and then do whatever you do with the yeah. million people from there. Yeah, yeah. But it still is enormous. As know. opposed to the ten who are currently listening to the Green Pill podcast, <laughs> uh-huh. and the ten of you are listening, I love you so much because you're the Aww. only ten people listening to this podcast. Oh no. What's next for you, Kesia? Well, I'm moving to Iowa. That's um, fucking crazy. You know, I'm gonna try and argue out of this. I just found I, out about. I, this. I, am I don't. So also I don't. Puzzled. I mean, the the one sentence ver- explanation is my personal leverage as one individual. I believe is clearly higher in Iowa or has the capacity to be than one person in Ber- especially me. 
Like if this was Elmira or something, I would say no, don't move to Iowa. For me Elmira's personally, there's a lot of opportunity and it's a different theory. You know, it's not concentration, but um, I just, it's so easy to make shit pop in Iowa mm-hmm. that like, um, I just, there are so many opportunities and uh, it's a different, yeah, I can go further there. Um, I can also support what DXE is doing from there. Like having been on the other side as a drop in on a parachute person. <laughs> um, I do believe this continued narrative and this continued project is uh, highly valuable. I've been part of, it's interesting, I have Counterglow, but I've been deeply involved in DXE's Iowa. It was basically me and Matt for the first, until the convergence, you know, and other people would come in, but most of the time it was Matt and I. So I'm very invested in supporting what DXE is doing there. And I believe organizing a small group of people maybe larger than small, to be able to do things like even just the capital disruption we did with 15 people, that was very powerful. Yeah, I could easily get 15 people to do that. Like, yeah. so if there's value in that, let me add it. You know, I don't, I don't think I'm filling a need in DXE that is a huge, you know, I mean, I'm not filling a need at all. I don't think there's a, a space in DXE that is empty that is a fit for me yeah. personally to fill. I've never found that. Like, I've always yeah. kind of wanted it. Um but yeah, so uh, I know that many things will many things will come up, and certainly Counterglow stuff as well. But uh, definitely plan on partnering with DXC to support. I mean, even just having a home base. You know, Matt used to stay. We used to stay with his brother, mm-hmm. but eventually his wife got sick of us. <laughs> so now we don't have anywhere. You know, nobody's got anywhere to stay. So yeah. even just uh, hey, just listen. That. I mean, uh, let's uh, shout out to the the uh, Clarion hometown inn. Uh, Twenty nine, Trudy. Trudy, our good friend. You gotta send oh, this podcast to Trudy and make sure she hears that we got a shout. Living out. at a hotel. Trudy, Trudy is the owner of the hotel that we stayed at. But I don't want to distract from this this uh, oh, statement okay, that okay, Kisu okay, just okay, made. Yeah, yeah. And I will just say this, and before we close, I'm still going to try and argue out of it. First of all, but secondly, if you leave, we're going to miss you. And I, I wish Thank I'd you. spend more time with you. I'm, I'm serious because, and I, I remember last time you left, I was feeling very bad too because, <laughs> I, I mean, this is true of so many of us in many different contexts, but. But you've contributed a lot to the movement, and I appreciate it. And and if you do move to Iowa, I'm sure you'll do great things. Thanks. Okay? I mean, I well, I can tell you this after we wrap up. Sounds good. All right. Any other final thoughts? Uh, spend time with you guys. That was fun. This yeah. is fun. This is a little crazy, but it was also fun. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cool. Hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did, and and give you some sense of what and how things unfolded in Iowa over the last few weeks. I uh, want to thank everyone who's a part of this podcast, Ronnie Rose, Shalola Falkas, Julie Waldrop, Crystal Heath, Priya Sahani, and, and all of you for listening in. And as I always say, if you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. And stay tuned for more because there could be some significant changes to this podcast and the work I'm doing in the next few weeks, and, and I hope you look out for that. I'll see you next time.